first rule in grip sport is you tell everyone about grip sport. You know, crushing, pinch grip, thick bar, wrists. If the best guy in the world can't lift 100 pounds on it, I, I don't give a shit about it. All right, everybody. Welcome uh, to another episode of The Grip Show. And to uh, kick this off with me, I have Nathan Hall. And uh, talking about the inch dumbbell, right? So uh, the biggest thing I think that a lot of people mess up is they see inch dumbbell and they start thinking in measurement and they start thinking that the handle is an inch. (laughs) And clearly that's not the case. So uh, it's named after an old time performing strongman, Thomas inch. Correct. Yeah. And, uh, and I want to say he was born in like the 1880s. Yes. Exactly. 1881. Okay. Yes. And then lived up into like the 1960s. That's right. Yeah. So, okay. So yeah, just trying to make sure some of my dates were correct. But, uh, and, and one of the things he would do is he'd have this thick handled globe dumbbell that, he would essentially take wherever and no one could lift it or no one could clean it and blah, blah, blah. But he, he could. So, you know, that was kind of part of his, uh, his act, you know? Um, do you know any of the specifics on that by chance? Yeah. So, um, Thomas Inch, strong man. Um, he was, um, British champion, middleweight champion, and then moved into heavyweight and he wasn't, um, like his his peers, he was he would use weights, thick handles, and 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 do strengths rather than support, and uh, so he'd be doing more of the actual sort of strength side of it, other than doing bench presses with people. He would actually use weights and things like that, whereas everybody else at that time would be using people and and like pulling horses and and, and things like that. So he went off in his own direction, and. When it comes to the dumbbells, his take on it, his actual story is he went to the foundry and said, I need two weights, about 90 pound uh, dumbbells. Can you make me something like that? Um, and when he went back a week or so later, they made them, but they made them with a thick handle because the, the foundry manager said, one, that small bar will just bend and break. It needs to be substantial. Mm. Um, so he's like, he's argued with it for a minute. And then he thought, actually, you know, I'm struggling to lift these. This could be something good. So he started working on them, and once he got to a point where he could lift clean and, and press them and such, he went back and made bigger ones um, and realized it could be something something of a challenge. Yeah. Um, now, I, I know it can be kind of controversial sometimes because there are some people out there that think that he never actually lifted some of the dumbbells or maybe there was some kind of uh, – switching of the dumbbells using a lighter dumbbell. Um, do, do you have any, I, I don't know, maybe any background info on that or anything to add or that can maybe help so, people out? Yeah. So he had, well, we know that he had a couple of dumbbells. So he had two lighter ones. Some people say 75 and 90 pound. Some people think it's two 90 pounders, which is his first ones. And then he had three together. So a lightweight, a middleweight and the heavyweight. So one, 43 pound, 153 pound, and the 172. Mm-hmm. Now, he had another dumbbell, which you see in the video, um, a large show type bell. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that, but that, that wasn't the first time that was out and about. That was in magazines, and that was part of a challenge poster 
be pictures of this is my challenge dumbbell. Yeah. But the main the main one he would use was the one seven two and he he would take it to circuses and stage shows and people would just try and try and try and try and then he'd pick it up, walk away with it or he'd clean it and well dumbbell swing and bend press it. Um so there's a lot of People didn't believe he could lift it for starters. People say he switch it because the size difference between a one five three and a one seven two on the circumference is millimeters. It's literally unless they are right, even when they're right next to each other, it is hard mm-hmm. to see. Um, so that was one point, and you know, people like Edward Aston would say, "Which one is it tonight? Which one are you using?" Because Edward Aston was his training partner for a while, and he knew there were different sizes. Um, and Thomas Hinch always reply, "It's the one I'm lifting." So you know. It's always that sort of, it's a great time to be in, a great era. Um, so they would say that he'd switch that over the lighter one and lift that. But the one consistent thing is people would always say he lifted it. And the people I've met and spoken to um, who have met who met him, they also said they'd seen him lift it. So there, there was a, there's a, there's a few, there was a hole in the handle, you know, a few holes in them and, we come up one theory that you could put a bar in there. It was about mm-hmm. a quarter inch, six mil hole. Um, and you could put a bar in and you could have a wrist strap on and it would completely arrest the spin and you could just pick it up and walk around with it for days. You know, it would be, be nothing. Um, and you had it on all three of the middle ones, the 143, the 153 and the 172. But they were filled in at some point. I'm not sure when. Uh, so people would say he would do that, but then... You've got to remember he was a showman, so he was doing this thing. This was his living, day in, day yeah. out, age. So that could have been used every now and then. He could have done it just to make it easy if he's having a, a bad night. But you have to remember as well, he had the strength. He could bent press, I believe, um, one-handed over 300 pounds. He could dumbbell swing uh, more than, I believe his record was over 200 Pound. Okay. Um, official records. He's the two hand anyhow. Officially is two seven six uh, above his head. So it's getting two dumbbells up anyway you want. And typically it's the heavier one first, and then you pick up the lighter one and put that above. Yeah. So there's all sorts of stories. People think he's fake because of the video. We've I found this. Me and my brothers found this video about 20 years ago, it was, we knew he'd made a few of them. There was an ITV one, um, or whatever it was called then, a newsreel about him in his back garden. And I got some photos of that somewhere with the actual 172 that we all know. And then he made this video where he lifts the big globe one, which, you know, you can see that the people are not trying to lift it in the video or it looks a bit suspicious, you know, but it is classic of that time is that's the way it was people that's the way people do things and that video was shot in two two t- twice he did it once and hurt himself and the second time then he did it again um so if you watch the video there's a clear cut in the video where i think the second half was heavier than the first part of the video it's, it's but it was two it was shot twice okay. he did it twice so whether or not that was that dumbbell, whatever that weighed, who knows? So that's that threw a lot of doubt in him. But you know, the, he was an official. He had loads of official records. He was very strong. 
Yeah, he was famous for his hand grip as well. He had a gripper. He had two grip machines, which I lost. Um, and they were sort of, like we now know, big springs and handles. Mm-hmm. And he he and Reg Park and maybe Len Harvey were the only ones who could close the first one. And the second one he made, he was the only one who could do it. So the grip strength was there. So I think I, I people I've talked to, people who knew him, they said they seen him lift it. I believe he lifted it, but I can see where the doubt comes from. Yeah, that video, the video didn't help, <laughs> didn't help him, but that should not take away from his his legacy. You know. Yeah, he I was can... gonna, I was gonna say it's a, it's really, uh, it's just really interesting. Some of those points you brought up too, just about you know how much the man could bent press, yes. um, with the dumbbell swing, uh, uh, other stuff like that. I mean, maybe we don't. There's not as much video proof of things back then, obviously, but we still have these other things for context, which were documented and stuff like that. So I, I think it is important to kind of at least note, like you said, the overall history, the accolades and some of just the levels of strength that we can kind of translate to something and, uh, yes. And, and kind of form a, a, a better opinion because like, I, I didn't know some of that information myself, you know, I haven't really looked into it outside of the challenge bell, you know, the 172. I haven't really looked into his background extensively. So uh, thanks for sharing some of that information. Now, with uh, with that, um, I would say being over there, was Thomas Inch um, kind of uh, just pretty well known? Is that something you heard about growing up? Was that something that was like, yeah, you know, mentioned? So when, yeah, not not really. So it was old, uh, old health and strength and strength and health magazines. Um, sort of Reg Park journals. We had a lot of them because my dad had a lot of them. So, you know, we had the George John books and all through these books would be a reference to the, the Dumbbell and Thomas Inch and like in uh, Andal's Horseshoes and Cannons and then books he's in there as well. So then you start to think, find out about it. And when we got into sort of the main stream of grip, as it were, when grippers were involved and you know got into that, that aspect, we really found out about him um, and just how big it was. And you know the, the mystery behind it was was amazing, especially then because you know, nobody'd seen it. They started making them around late nineties in America um, for Iron Man and Sorrowneck were getting them. Mm-hmm. Um, but even then, you knew those replicas weren't replicas; they were sort of a bit off, not quite what it was, but the original was still in, in the UK, still over oh. here. Um, so, yeah, you sort of, it wasn't really, you know, he wasn't, I only, because I was in the strength anyway, because my father was, so we'd read about it. So I was picking up on him, and then when we got into it, then we sort of really honed in. And, you know, there's just so much to read about him and others, but, you know, he read it, he was ahead of his time, you know, he really was pushing boundaries, you know, you think about about the drag out, you think about the 172 pound being the perfect, it's sort of like a really perfect number. It's just sort of, it stumps so many people. You know, it could have been an extra 30 pound, you know, nobody left it. He he might not have lifted it himself, sort of thing. The actual number, if if not on purpose, was lucky to absolutely hit that sweet spot where you see what people can do now. They can pick it up, walk around, Mm -hmm. clean. Um, so for him to find that level where, like, if you went down to the 153, all of a sudden hundreds are lifting that one. You caught that a little bit more. Just that sweet spot was perfect, you know. 
Yeah, it is. It is. Open up was by design. Open up wasn't just a mistake. Yeah, you know, it it makes you wonder because that is a very good statement where you're saying, you know, just a little bit, little bit one way or the other, and that thing sort of uh, starts to lose its significance a little bit, or it's not going to be, you know, as, as well known. Um, now with, uh, like I said, you, you've, you've been in the strength game for a while, like you mentioned, and um, you guys found out about these dumbbells fairly early on, um, it, you know, at least in your life. And you were basically searching for a way to kind of uh, test or, you know what I mean? Like, get hands on it and kind of see what, you know, I guess like anybody else, like all of us, we want to know like, well, what's that challenge like? But as you're mentioning, maybe late nineties or something, some foundries are making them and there's replicas over here. Um, at what point over there were replicas being made or at what point did you start to uh, create your own bells? Uh, roughly 99, I'd say maybe 99, we started tying with it and trying to figure out the weight and the, because all the other challenges made sense. You know, Apollon's wheels, they made sense. It's a big weight, you know, you've got to wrestle it. Gorner's barbell, which is another fantastic one. You know, it's 60 mil handle, 330 pound. And that made sense too. You know, it's a big, thick handle. But then when it comes to the dumbbells, like, that doesn't make sense. Why Why is that so, you know, it's 170 pound. I mean, you know, it's not really catastrophic. So we started trying to figure out so the measurements were easy to find because they, they they were in every book. Someone mm-hmm. had got to them. I mean, when and obviously when Thomas Inch didn't have it no more when he when he died, passed it on, and it was measured and weighed, and so we got hold of that um, in a few different books. And I think we talked to maybe John Gallagher, um, but we we got the measurements and then we worked it out with the density of cast iron. Um, and we figured out that he actually had a, a steel handle, whereas uh, that was like a mystery. Because on those first few castings from all around the world, people were saying, how is your handle smooth? Because cast iron is tricky to get, because you can't cast a square edge. Mm-hmm. So where, where the globes meet the handle, uh, it was sort of scooped on the cast iron ones really heavily. So it sort of comes in and is a big... Scoopish, it's all soft and weird, you know. It's all mm-hmm. you can't stand on it, and it's not round. But we knew he did a steel pipe, we, we just just obvious to us. So then we um just started going backwards from there, trying to got the weight, got the figured out the, the density of cast iron, which is pretty much remain a constant, fluctuates. Um, cast iron shrinks as well, a little bit of shrinkage. The process has got better now, but it can shrink. So once we figured out from there, we made what's called pattern, which is a, a mold of it. So it's the exact thing that you want to put into the into the sand. And then they pack sand around it. And then you pull it in half to get your pattern out. And then put it back together. And that's why when they do that process, you see a line around mm-hmm. the, the blob. That's where the two sands are met together. And the cast iron's creeped out a little bit. And then they gotta fettle it off. So blobs will have it, they'll fettle marks where you can feel a bit of grip. That's just where they grind off the yeah. cast line. Yeah. So once we figured out uh about the size, we made two or three to start with. 
and we got them pretty much spot on first time, which was lucky. Um, and the first thing we did was um, we, so I had been training uh, heavily with a loadable uh, dumbbar, just something welded together, you know, a steel handle and uh, a regular bar through it. And I was lifting 170 easy on this loadable thing. I was like, oh, this is going to be no bother. So I went to like 200 pounds on it. I was like, yeah, I got this. So when they said it was ready, drove down to the foundry straight away, walked in there and was like, it was there and it looked amazing. It was just stuck. It just, oh, the whole place, there's always castings everywhere. And there it was just like shining in the light. Lovely. It's got that raw cast look on it as well. That sort of color is beautiful color. Mm -hmm. So uh, I walked around and they were like, he's not going to lift it, you know, because they had these massive people working there. And I was like, uh, you know, stand back and I'll do this now. So I went and I just, just stepped to the floor. They all just giggling and laughing and mm. could you hear them snickering? I was like, oh, God, that, that can't be good. That, I never felt fire like it. So I dragged it to the you know, to, to the car, threw it in the hot well of the car, got it home and... Uh, we took one up to Chris James in Potalba and we in the US, um, dropped one off to him because we knew he'd clean it. So then we were we started training it, trying to figure out how to train it, and then we just understood what it was. Understood that it would just rotate. You know, it was just connected together, and the inertia was too much. And the more you yeah. snapped it, it that fast, it would spin. But then we started trying to figure out a way to train it. Um, so we we had loads of ideas, loads of um, sort of prototypes we were making and things we were trying to think about how to make it, make our strong, a thumb stronger in that motion. Um, so we had uh, designs with a regular thick bar handle and then we'd have um, a welded hoop that way and a bar so we could put weight on to make the, mm-hmm. or that way, the, the, make it more on the thumb. But we thought that's a bit too chunky in the way it's, it's not. And then we just come up with this idea where we'd have the bar offset, and that was so simple. So we did that, and that was perfect. We all started training on it. Um, and next thing you know, we were lifting it. So then we got another batch made, and then that time I went down and lifted it and carried all three back to the car. Um, yeah. And it was lovely. It was great, you know. I loved it. And, uh, it was a good moment. Now, just just wondering, um, were any of those guys the same workers? Yes, all same. of them. Okay, so they make it. Yeah, okay. yeah. So you got to kind I of get to go down the same day as well, just to catch them. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah. So you, you you got that one back then. That's good. Um, but uh, yeah. So y- I mean, you have uh, probably you, your brothers, whoever. Um, I know you mentioned Chris James there. Um, yeah. and uh you're producing these bells. I mean, those are probably some of the first people that you're knowing that are lifting them. Obviously those are people that maybe are, I guess, close, closer in the circle um, that you'd be training with or lifting with. Um, What are some of the best feats that you think you've pulled off with the inch dumbbell or similar bells or some of those other guys, maybe, you know, just, just what are some of the better uh, inch dumbbell feats that come to mind? Um, So back then, so about 1999, Beginning two thousand, uh, we got one to Chris James. He cleaned it, um, which was you know mind blowing. 
Um, for myself, it took me a while, but I got it in a tumble swing um, and overhead, um, which I still think is is the best thing you can do. Apart like the cleans that Lane Snook, um, that power clean is probably the best thing you can do with it. I think. Although Lane, I believe Lane has snatched it as well. Um, so okay. that is that's the most phenomenal thing you could think of with an inch dumbbell. Everything else just you know doesn't doesn't compare to it sort of thing. Um, but there's just so many feats that that can be done with it. You know, I mean, people put you know Kelsey stack cups in there to make sure you're lifting it sort of level. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and to me, I'd rather see it go heavier. I'd rather see you lifting like the 104, and then go heavier again. I think that's more, I think that dwarfs a feat, even though feats are fantastic. I like the look of the feet, and, you know, to me, lifting a 104 is probably better than cleaning a 172, um, 78 kilo. Mm-hmm. So I prefer the, the stronger end of it, because it sort of equates to you should be able to get the 78 anywhere you want, you know. Yeah. So, but um, obviously carrying them, I mean, people were, I think it was Joel Sword. He was carrying them fairly early. Um, it was a really terrible, grainy video because no one had video cameras. You know, no mm-hmm. one had access. Filming on a potato sort of thing, you know, just sort of blotchy. And, uh, but he carried them. Um, just, I think the clean has always been my favourite thing. I think I've always loved watching people get it to the shoulder. Um, I think that's, that's the best thing I've, I've seen with them. Yeah, it's a... Uh... It's a tough one. Um, I I'm I'm nowhere near the clean myself right now. Um, it is something in the back of my mind, maybe for the future, you know. Um, and I know you spoke to Ben. Um, Ben's been kind of getting on me a little bit, you know, telling me, you know, no, nah, man, you need to you need to try for the clean, you know, or you you can do it. You just gonna train. I'm like, okay, maybe someday, but uh, but yeah, to me, um, I- anything where you're getting that bell up to your shoulder like that whether it's a swing whether it's a, a strict lift like you said like lane would do for like th- those that style of clean um it's just super impressive and uh yeah a lot of people i don't think even realize what they're witnessing if they're watching it from video yeah, yeah. it's just the pressure everywhere like when i when i was doing it the pressure on my thumb on the thumb pad for me was ridiculous it would just turn white i just i'd get it there and that whole thing would just be white, all the blood would be gone, just squeeze somewhere else. Um, and you see the way Ben Ben's, Ben's swing is perfection. That is exactly how textbooks would say to do the swing. It's absolutely the way Ben does it. It's spot yeah, on. He's, he's definitely got it down to a science. I mean, absolutely. he's... Yeah. yeah he yeah, actually said... Uh, go on. I was going to say, one of the things he said he's going to work on is uh, transferring it a hand-to-hand catch and then try to clean it from the transfer. Yes. So that would be a, a an interesting one if he pulls that one off. Absolutely. Well, the inertia should be there, so it should be if he can catch it right, it should be fine. But uh, good feet, yeah. But yeah, other than carrying it, I mean the stuff you know, the things. I mean, how far do you go? You know, like when I watch people lift it with things on it, so then you think I'm oh, making videos like that. So you know, I I made a video like drawing faces on, on a board was holding it, you know, and things like that. And uh, But I, I, I don't know, yeah, the clean is probably the nicest thing to see because you know what it is. You know how it feels to lift it, but yeah, the clean is beautiful. I think it's just so, it's not the best lift as well. It's such a, a thing to catch and hit. 
you know, when it thuds you as well, and it sort of catches you, you just feel all that weight. It's great. I think it's just a just a nice thing, just a nice thing to be able to to do. Okay, and with uh, just just with mentioning inch cleans, I, I know there's not a super long list. There are people mm-hmm. that have cleaned it. Um, are, are there some notable lifters that you'd like to mention? Maybe that you've uh, you've seen clean the dumbbell. So, Chris James. Mm-hmm. Um, in person, I think I've only seen. I think it is only Chris James, um, and then video-wise, there's um, Ryan Green. His were brilliant. Uh, Canadian strongman. He just did it at one after the other, like four or five in a row, just straight to the shoulder. And it's a nice catch as well. He's quite a big guy, big chest up there. He was sort of like up, but he just sort of just. Just lovely, just the way he caught it was lovely. But just like four or five times in a row, no bother. He was just like bang again, again. Well, and, and he he like almost like strict pressed it too. Yes, like there wasn't a whole lot of leg movement. I mean, it was almost like he just took it. I mean, and just strict pressed it. I mean, just, tremendous strength. Yeah, like it was nothing, you know, just to toy with your your dreams, you know, just 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 nothing at all. <laughs> um, yeah, so obviously Carl. Mm-hmm. Um. um Lane, Lane was, Lane's is beautiful. Lane's got a training video where he's doing, I think it's rolling thunder lifts, but he cleans the inch before it. Mm-hmm. And it's just pure power, just, just all power. And I, I'm not sure if he does it because of his back or just because he can, but it's just so strict and suitcase style almost. It's almost, it's not fully suitcase, but it's all to the side, just all up and to the side and then just mm-hmm. there. Remarkable. Um, and then, uh, I forget his name, that's terrible. He, he tried to paint you with a Mike. Uh, uh, Mike Burke. Mike Burke. Yep. Again, yeah. like 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 nothing, you know. I was watching watch the video and warming up for them. I was thinking, don't warm up, just save your strength and do do it from the get-go, you know. Because everyone's got like a limit of their grip strength before it definitely goes over the hill and it starts going down. Yeah. You know, do it now. And he's like warming up. I was like, well, don't waste your time on the warm-up. There's no need. You're not going to pull nothing. Just, just do it. No. Um, I feel like oh, Jesse. Jesse is fantastic. Oh yeah, Jesse Pinionen. Yeah, yeah. Or I, I, I hope I'm saying his last name correct. Pinionen. Yeah, I didn't say it. Yeah. All together. Um, who I could probably step in for double wise, look feature wise. I could probably we don't see each other in the same room. I think we blend in together. We look kind of similar. Um. But yeah, he's super strong and he cleans it wonderfully. Pretty sure he sent me a video of Dennis in the 104 as well. Okay. Uh, but it's clean, it's great. Clean arm press is just, you know, lovely. And it's this nice quiet room. You know, it's a nice quiet room he's doing it in. And his warm mate goes, yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's just, you know, no, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> obviously, Mark Henry. Um, yeah, so now maybe I could be missing some. Uh, yeah, the, I mean, we we could name, I mean, some guys that would be on the show, like... Uh, of course, Ben. And, and, uh, uh, yeah, you know, so uh, Ben, Jed oh, Johnson yeah. is going to be on the show. Um, so some of those guys, but uh, yeah, I mean, that, like I said, I was just curious. Um, yeah. The other thing I would add to that was uh, for me seeing, you know, Ben lives about three hours north of me. So I've had the chance to see him, you know, clean some bells yeah. in person. And I have a 180 pound inch dumbbell that he's cleaned. So, you know, about 
eight pounds heavier than the 172. Um, have you seen any um, heavier bells cleaned? What's like the heaviest bell you've seen cleaned? Just I was just curious if you could remember or anything like that. I think Lane did a 80, 85 kilo clean. Um, I think there's a video of him doing it with a the Millennium Dumbo trainer as well. Okay. Uh, the one where it's red and it's got the bars sticking out the end. Yeah. Um, but I think that's the heaviest I've seen solid Dumbo wise. Um, so an actual inch, what we what we would call inch Dumbo, you know, it was solid. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, yeah, I was just curious because, like I said, you know, we talk about the the regular seventy eight kilo or the hundred seventy two pound bell but we talk about guys going above and beyond that sometimes and uh it, for a clean that's even more insane to me um but Indeed. there's you know there, there's a there's a few that can or oh. and, and as time goes on hopefully we'll see some more you know yeah these these giants that are just you know enormous people they they've got to be knocking on 85 kilo if they you know it's always a thing though if they train they might get it but yeah, you know, they have to train, and uh, hopefully, mm-hmm. hopefully, we see it because it'd be fantastic to see, really fantastic. Okay, now with uh, with all that being said, just kind of talking about the cleans, do you have any um, feats in the future that you would like to do with the inch dumbbell, or do you feel like you've kind of knocked most of them out, or do you have any, you know, anything that maybe in your mind you're kind of like, ah, I still got to do that. Um. So, well, I want to get back to. Um, eating it again. We're still swinging it, same thing, you know, from floor to shoulder. I want to get to get back to that. And the same as uh, I think Ben was going to do, just do it every day of the week. So, um, the point I was, the thing I was always aiming for was just a, a, a nod to Thomas Inch was to do it every night, every day, you know, for like a, for like a week solid, you know, just to sort of get it in like, like, like he would, would do. So that's mm-hmm. what I wanted to do, get that. Every day, um, I never got it the full week. I think I got like four or five days in a row. Um, but yeah, a full week, just banging it in, like you know, like no doubt Ben, for example, will do or could do. Um, but yeah, that's that's one for me, just to sort of have it as a, um, like with the with the inch dumbbell. After I failed it in in that foundry, I swore that the next when I start lifting it, I'll never fail it. And since that day, I've, I've never failed to lift it. I won't fail to lift it. I just don't care what happens. Um, if I try it, it's coming off the ground. That's yeah. all right. And I would hope that I could get that with a clean. I don't know if it's feasible. Um, but just that absolute domination over it, you know, just to be able to get it when you feel like it. Um, yeah, that'd be nice. I think it uh, maybe never happened. Who knows? But uh, if I could get it, it'd be fantastic. Okay. Yeah. Well, I wish you the best of luck with that. And uh, like I said, I just, I had to ask because I've done that with, you know, a lot of people I talk to about the inch dumbbell and stuff is just, you know, what they've done with it, but also like, Hey, what are you planning to do with it? You know what I mean? And for guys that have been lifting it, I mean, you've probably been lifting it two decades now, you know, or, you know, pretty much. So it's like, you know, what, what else is there left or what, you know, what, what else, you know, it's still driving you to lift it, you know. Um, just, just be, well, the embarrassment. As one thing I would ask, what's the what's the craziest thing you've heard? Just somebody wants to do with it. What's the what's the wildest 
um, suggestion you've had thrown at it? Um, I've heard. Now, see, I didn't know that Lane had snatched it. Yeah. I've heard people rumor, you know, a, a snatch. I haven't seen a video of anybody snatch it, but I've heard some people talk about training for the snatch and, and, and that kind of being a thing. Um, obviously, I think a double inch clean, kind of like Mike Burke had tried. Um, you, you hear about, you know, double bells, you know, like a, a, a double bell clean. That would be pretty, uh, pretty insane. Um, the, those are probably the first two that come to mind because the absolute power it would take to snatch one or to clean two when you introduce a second bell. Yes. That's a whole different story. Well, that was squashing squash your head sort of thing. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Th- that would be some of the more, uh, I guess, you know, higher end stuff that you might hear about. Um, for a lot of guys, if they haven't cleaned it, they want to clean it. Um, if it's someone like Ben who's cleaned it, he's talking about snatching it. You know, it's just that yeah. constant progression going up. Yeah, that's um, fantastic. So, um, yeah, it, it would be interesting, but yeah, I would, I would, uh, Carl didn't mention it. Um, he, you know, he, he did talk to me about, um, wanting to farmer's walk, but as soon as he mentioned that he would be getting a second inch dumbbell and have two of them, I was like, the first thing that started popping into my head was a double clean, yeah. but you know, he, he didn't really, uh, elaborate if that was in his plans or not, but he he would definitely get it as well. You know, he, no doubt he'd get that. Yeah. Be fantastic, yeah. Know, the thing that was fighting him the most is how big he is, how tall he is, how far they got to travel, sort of thing. But I think it'd be no, <laughs> yeah. it'd be no issue for him. Yeah. yeah. So, like I said, uh, when when I was speaking with Carl, it was like, you know, oh, we're talking about a second inch dumbbell, and my face lit up because I'm like, <laughs> okay, he's thinking double clean, and then he never he never said anything about it, but he did. Um, he did mention a farmer's walk and some stuff there. So um, who, who knows really what, yeah. you know, what what he's thinking or where that training will end up going, but I'm excited to kind of see that too. Yeah. Um, so overall, uh, Nathan, um, we've covered a decent amount. What do you, I guess kind of as a closing thing, what is it about the inch dumbbell that just makes it so special after all these years? The mystery of it, the luck of it, and the and the and the backstory with it all—the way that you you know—it's almost um, it's probably that and like grippers. If you leave those two things in a room, people instantly just wander over to to see what it is. If you put a dumbbell in a any gym, that old style dumbbell, just where it is, everybody will walk and have a try of it, look at it, kick it around. You know, it's just draws you to the look you know they they just look amazing and they and then to feel it stuck to the floor that fire it gets you you know it's like i don't know if what, what it, i don't know if it's just that drive we all get where if you see somebody struggling to open something you you got you instantly try and grab for it, you know you just got that the drive is there i don't know where it comes from you just want to you know you see someone if you see one of your kids struggling with something you you rip it open, you know, you, just, you grab it and do it. So it's just that raw draw to it. Just You just see it and it's there. You just, people say, what is it? You know, and, and then you read the history of it and find out when you just, all of it, the mystery, the luck, um, the the way it crushes you the first time you you try it, um, it just beats you or beats beat most people rather. Um, yeah, 
the draw, the, the mystery to it, I think, is the... Because when you see it, you're like, you know... Yeah, I bet even you, when you, you go to Ben's and you see all the, all the dumbbells, you're like, you know, you're looking at them, you're going to have a look and see what they are. And even though you know what they are, you still want to have a look and see what, what's there. Oh, and yeah. It just, just, just draws you in. And um, and then when you try and they try and have a go and lift it, you're like, it's sort of it's not easy and it beats you or, you know, you sort of move it and then you're, you're excited. You just want to keep doing it. And yeah, the draw, the look and the, and the feel and pretty much all of it surrounded the history of it as well. It's a fantastic history. It really is. I mean, you know, the way it's just come through and how many people it's beaten and, you know, just amazing. Just a, probably one of the best challenge objects there is, you know, if not the best and, and the well, not most, the most well-known. You know, it's, it's pretty, pretty good. I, I like it. It's special. Special to me. It's always, you know, he was, a, he was a pioneer, a real pioneer, not just with, you know, he was practically the inventor of plate-loaded barbells, you know, he was uh, super strong, you know, deadlifting 500 pounds when he was 60 plus. Um, all the strength records he had, you know, the the way that he would go watch Eugene Sandow on stage and Sandow would throw ripped deck cards into the stage and then should catch them and rip them and throw them back. He'd corner them and back on stage, things like that. And then to come up with this perfect, you know, solid dumbbell, which just looked better than the other dumbbells, you know, like John Grum Marks, he had similar challenge dumbbells where his handles would spin. But this thing was just, you know, well, I, I think it's just perfect. The luck is, the luck is enough for me just to see it there. And you're like, oh, what's that? You know, you just can't help yourself and, and sort of get over there. So, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I think so. I think it's you mentioned it, it's probably one of the best challenge items there is, especially when it comes to like grip strength type stuff. Um, somebody would be very hard pressed to try to name a better, yes. I guess, a, be, a better challenge. You know what I mean? It would, uh, it, there's some interesting challenge items out there, but ones that are more notable or one that have more, you know, one that would have more presence yes. than an inch dumbbell, I I don't know that there is one. So I think it, it, it kind of, uh, if, if there's a mountain, it's kind of standing at the top, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. you know? Um, yeah. So, Hey, Nathan, I, I thank you for, uh, you know, taking the time and, uh, just sharing some extra history, sharing some of your perspective and, um, just, you know, talking us through your process of kind of how you started to make the inch bells as well, you know, to, to lift them was the first reason, you know, it's not like, you know, you were just, making them as like a, Oh, it's a fun side project. It's like, we're trying to lift this thing. You know, we want to see what this thing's about. Um, so just everything from the history to your history, kind of making them and producing the bells. And I mean, I, I have several of your bells sitting in my garage right now, you know, all the way overseas and I'm, you know, lifting with them and they're, they're great quality bells. And uh, it's, I, I don't know, like I said, I mean, it's just been awesome since I've, uh, got into the you know inch dumbbell training and stuff like that it's awesome to know that there's uh other people across the world that kind of have the same obsession and kind of have that same feeling that we're talking about when we're lifting and training with them so um thanks like i said thanks for thanks for making the bells and stuff like that but thanks for taking the time on the show to uh just give us all the details and give us the rundown on all that yeah well thanks thanks for asking me it's uh yeah great and uh well hopefully 
somebody's learned something <laughs> a little bit. Yeah, I, I, I would say by the time this is over with, uh, if people have tuned in, I'm, I'm, I'm sure they're going to definitely it'll be it'll be worth their time. And if they're anything like us and have an interest in uh, strength and these style of dumbbells, then I think this is going to be a, a pretty special episode for people. So, I think yeah. I, I think I'd say mission accomplished. Good. Sorry, right, I got Adam Glass with me here, and we are talking about the Thomas Inch dumbbell. So, um, Adam, for me, can you kind of remember, let's just say, being in the U.S., you know, when is the first time or what time frame did you even hear about the Inch dumbbell or even know about Thomas Inch or any of that stuff? Like, when's the first time that pops onto your radar? So, um, heard about the Inch Bell would be when I was still in high school, I had purchased um, dinosaur training and John Brookfield's mastery hand strength from iron mine. So I had both those books and in John's book, he talks specifically about the inch dumbbell, the challenge of the bell. And quite frankly, I didn't get it at the time. So, you know, being a, being a teenager and getting into weightlifting, it's exactly the way John described it. When you hear someone say 173 pounds, that doesn't really hit you. And, and then even when you talk about the diameter or the handle, uh, if I go back to that period of time, so this is late 90s, there was no commercial equipment that anybody was using like for grip strength. I'm sure that rock climbers in their community probably had systems and, you know, uh, in the wrestling program, they would have us do things like climb rope and things like that. But for for guys in the gym, so I grew up in the Detroit Metroplex uh, one of the gyms that I probably spent the most time lifting at. So before I was 17 was the uh, Gold's Gym in Garden City, Michigan. And it was a very classic Gold's. Like on the walls, pictures of the owner of the gym with every pro wrestler you've ever seen. All these various, you know, muscle actors of the 70s and 80s. It was that kind of spot. Mm-hmm. So even in a place like that where you had all the old style equipment plus a lot of custom shit they didn't have anything like that. I don't even know if they had an axle. If they did have an axle, it's probably that I didn't know what I was looking at and never even thought about it, you know, being a little meathead. Right. Um, so I knew that was the thing. Uh, two or three years later, I got my first rolling thunder and that did start to make sense. Um, and the original rolling thunders would bind quite a bit more. So anyone who has an old one will tell you that they could easily lift over 175 on it. But, you know, it was probably adequate for training with nothing else. The first time I saw an inch dumbbell was the first contest I came down to Texas for. So that would have been in January 2011. Paul Knight and Eric Melfield had been holding a contest every year. So I think it was the third or fourth, the third iteration of the contest. Mm -hmm. That was at the Metroflex um, in Fort Worth, which is an incredibly massive gym. And in that gym, they have a um, like a homemade inch that's about the right weight and dimensions. It doesn't have the same amount of spin. But at that contest, there were two bells. And, and actually, you can find my medley run from that contest that I did it. And I was not able to do a double lift at all. I remember I, I, I could lift the, the Metroflex inch, no problem. And as soon as I grabbed those two bells... I bet I they came off the floor maybe inch and a half, and it was early in the medley, and I, I knew I was going to get that the day. Dropped it, kept moving. I did not lift the inch 
until later on that same year at Grip Nationals that year, which was held at um, Chris Rice's place, I think. I'm pretty sure 2011 Nationals of Chris Rice's. I don't know whose bell that was. It might have been Andrew's. And I was able to do a successful right-hand and left-hand lift on it. Um, And leading up to that, I I wasn't specifically looking at it, but I was working with the rolling thunder handle at least weekly. I was lifting on a two-inch axle weekly. Um, What the hell else was I using quite a bit then? I was doing a lot of Euro pinching then too. And I, I do think those three things being done in a way that you're adding weight week after week. Uh, if you can find your way in front of an inch at some point, you'll probably lift it. Okay. So now you said around 2011, 2012 is when you probably started lifting it regularly. So, okay. So I got my okay. first. Okay. In it was right after nationals. Um, a guy named Matt Browse, who still lives in Minnesota, mm-hmm. he had 183 pound homemade inch, but it was spherical. So it, it functioned like a normal inch dumbbell. The handle was a little bit longer though. So mm-hmm. what that did is it made a, a sharper tilt. So I was able to lift that one. That was a great training bell for me. Even though it was heavier, it felt easier to lift if you'd allow the nose to go down a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then October of 2011, I purchased two inch dumbbells from Jason Adamski who was in St. Cloud, Minnesota. Jason worked, I think he worked at a foundry, but he was selling inch dumbbells for a number of years and his bells very, very well made. Um, Incidentally, those two bells are still in Texas. One of them is with Adam Ergain, who lives out in Lone Pine, uh, Texas, east of Dallas. He has one of my bells or one of the bells I used to own. And then the other guy is Adam Dobby, who is a jujitsu instructor down in Austin. So okay. those two bells are floating around and being able to compare them side by side to, uh, for example, the Selene bells or the Sornex bells, they're all very, very comparable. Like for your yeah. eyes, Zach, the little differences, maybe one's a little taller, one looks a little yeah. longer at the globe, but they're all, you know, they all lift about the same. Yeah, I've had a chance to uh, have hands on those. There's a guy actually down the street that has like a welding shop that has one. And uh, Ben Helms has one that he got. The different bells, like you're saying, through the Selene. Um, I've even, well, at Jed's, I lifted Iron Mind and Sorenex bells and stuff like that. So I've gotten hands on different ones and kind of, I, I get what you mean, how they might have some differences, but they're actually, you know, pretty, pretty comparable. Um, so you have your own inch dumbbells, right? And let's say you're at this point where you're pulling off lifts and you have your own inch dumbbells. We talked in our, uh, we talked in our last episode where we had your interview, where we were discussing, you know, was there anybody that had done a can lift before you were, you know, we're talking about placing an empty can on one of the head of the globes or on both globes, because the slightest bit of roll, you have to have total control of the dumbbell or else that can's falling. Um, you know, were you the first to do that? And you basically said, there's not video of anyone doing it before me. Now, my question is for you, if you're the first to do that, what was going through your head and what kind of possessed you or what in your training mind made you say, you know, Hey, I need to try to throw an empty can on here. You know, is it just you trying to up the challenge of it or how did that come about? 
So there's there was it's it was like three elements coming together. So at the time, so this this takes us into the summer of 2012. So uh, during that time, I would start almost every training session with double inch carries in my gym. My gym was about 70 feet long. Um, it was a it was a great way for me to get going in my session. I always enjoyed doing it. It always seemed like you get a little bit more space or maybe you get another carry, something like that. So I'm carrying them. And I have it in my head at the time that I'm really interested in competing in this at one of the big expos because Mighty Mitts was a thing back then. Mm-hmm. And and this is prior to the world record getting moved to like 130 feet or whatever it is now. During this time, if I'm remembering right, the record was around 80 feet. So I'm already starting to knock on it. And I've only had these things a couple of months. So I'm feeling really good. Um, so we had a uh, all-around weightlifting meet that came up where we had some guys come up uh, from Kansas and during that time, I did some lifts, and I knew I could do it at that point pretty consistently. So I did it uh, at that time. The guy even had an article that he wrote about it. He was so astonished that I could do that. And uh, I think the kicker that got it to where it became a fun thing for me was the um, the pairings for Mighty Mitts 2013 was starting to get formed up. Mm-hmm. And at the time, there was many of the names being thrown out that you would expect, you know, clearly we need Derniad at this thing. Uh, we need Mark Felix at this thing. There there's all, um, you know, uh, um, uh, Gillingham, Wade Gillingham, obviously he's going to go right. So they're, they're getting down to the end of the list. And I know at least two or three people had said to Richard, you should, you should get that Adam guy to come out and try it. And uh, one of the evenings, Richard had posted on the grip board on one of the videos I did. And I don't even know what I was doing. I don't know if I was doing a bunch of one hand lifts or I was just doing some kind of fuckery with it. And Richard just asked, Adam, can you lift the bell perfectly level? And I thought, well, that's sure I can lift it for you. And I, you know, and then I thought, what would prove that, though? How can I make sure that we all understand that there's no special effects studio being run in Minnesota? And I had grabbed a monster can and set it there. And, and, you know, it was so funny to watch when you were first figuring this out, how many times you just slapped that fucking can off the top when you'd realize, like, once it's on, if you touch the bell the wrong way, it fucking falls. Yeah. It's, it's really easy to have the can come off the bell. So I did that lift. And Richard, being a man of his word, he had uh, his son call me within, like, 24 hours and said, well, hey, would you come to Columbus? would you be interested in doing this thing? So for me, that got me able to go to Mighty Mitts. And then I just continued playing with it just because it became a game for me. Like, okay, well, shit, is it possible to lift it with multiple cans? Is it possible to double lift it of cans? Is it possible to lift it of cans and walk with it? Um, and I think that during that time, it really did help with my grip and wrist strength. Because as you know, there, there's the amount of squeeze you need to successfully lift that bell. And it's squeeze at a certain point. But when you add the cans, you have to go back to really engaging the hand the entire time. Mm-hmm. So for me, it, was, it wasn't just kind of a neat little party trick to do with it. It was a productive element of training. And other things that I was doing during that time is I'd put like a washcloth on the handle. Um, 
Uh, David Horn had gotten into doing blob lifts, and he's putting WD-40 on his hands and lifting blobs, and I did some dumb <laughs> shit. So yeah. just a way of taking – there's this amount of difficulty with this thing, and some people, they might pick it up one time and say, okay, I've, do, I've done the inch thing. And then there's those of us that say, well, no, I can see farther down the road, and I feel like there's more I can get out of this. And I think that, you know, all the results I ever got from inch dumbbell lifting, a lot of it came from the belief that if I keep finding new ways to play with it, I'm going to get something else out of it. Yeah. And, and that brought me to doing a lot of, you know, as, as far as I've seen it, it's the same thing. I'm not saying I'm the only one or the first one. I'm saying you can't find a video that was uploaded the year I did the thing before when I uploaded it. So yeah. um, the hand hand toss of the dumbbell. Now, I've heard people claim that they could roll it from one hand to another, basically being crouched down and kind of a little hand switch. The way that I did it and the way that I, I made it my own was I was ripping it, letting it go, catching it, stopping the spin, stopping the bell, and then later back and forth hand to hand. Um, Andrew Derniat did that within two weeks of seeing me do it. Like Andrew easily was strong enough that if Andrew said he was the first one who did it, I'd believe him because yeah. all it took him seeing the video and he replicated it. We didn't see anyone else do it for some time. The first person that I ever saw go back and forth, like more than one full exchange was Tanner Merkel. And it was funny because like with all of Tanner's great feats, he was hammered drunk. He just pulled off all the lifts to take first place for King Kong. And he, he went maybe six or seven times back and forth, which was quite amazing to see. Um, and on that, I think my very best I've ever done is I've done 21 times back and forth of Tanner's belt. Okay. And I was going to say, I remember you doing like upwards of 20 for the hand to hand yeah. transfers. I remember it being over 20. Um, so I, I guess we could kind of lead in with some of that. Now, are there, uh, well, yeah, I'll, I'll stick with your lifts since we're talking about some of these lifts, the transfers, the things like that, the carries, um, do you have a couple lifts in your mind that are special to you that you pulled off with the inch dumbbell aside from maybe some of the firsts? I have a few, um, you know, the transfer was so fun for me because it was such a dynamic way to both do grip. But then again, if, if, I mean, you know, this, if you just go out and just try to rapidly high pull the bell many times, whether or not you catch it, uh, it is, it is a, uh, you know, lungs, heart, abs, back, ass, calves, your, your whole body's getting, you know, your, your neck, your shoulder will be sore the next day. Yeah. And I, I think that just adding such a dynamic element to it. And I, maybe particularly it was fun for me just because I'd spent all that time with these slower lifts demonstrating control that it was fun to go off the faster lifts and demonstrate some dominance with it. Um, when I started doing a lot of combination lifts, that was always fun like picking up a heavy V-bar in Anvil while holding an inch. Mm -hmm. um, uh, the first time I successfully did a plate curl holding that bell, I was worried that I had ripped the cartilage off of my rib cage. It was so much core engagement. Mm -hmm. You know, and that, that went on to become a real fun thing of mine. Um, out of all of my 45s that I can currently curl, including my 50-pound standard, 
there's only one plate I have not successfully curled while holding the inch. So that, that really boosted my strength chasing, you know, kind of an oddball thing to do, but it just, it made sense to me. I felt like I was getting stronger with it. I was having fun. It, it was progressive because I could look back and say, okay, no matter how much I'm doing at this level, well, hey, maybe that plate is longer or thicker or slightly heavier, whatever. There were added challenges with it. Um, farmers walking has always been a fun challenge. Anytime I've had groups where we have a lot of lifters coming over to participate, um, carrying the bells always is enjoyable for people. And I think my best I've gotten to in the last couple of years was about 73 feet. It's, it's if I go to the top of my driveway, almost down to my barn, that was my longest carry. With the 125-pound Selene that I have here right now, uh, that's Isaac Noon's bell. He's been letting me borrow it. I can do a full lap around my circle drive, which that's it's pretty fucking far. Like, it takes me over 60 seconds to do the lap, and I'm running. <laughs> yeah. um, and I didn't realize if that was hard or not until I started having some of the other guys try it. And, you know, it just, man, it kicks your ass, and it makes your hip feel so sore the next day. Yeah, having this kind of funny you have to do and you can't let your body slant over because that'll cause a problem. So staying very upright, it, it beats the shit out of your obliques, your abs, your lower back it, in a productive feeling way, not like in a damaging yeah. way. Well, and then every single step you're taking the- too, every step that bell is almost trying to bounce out of your hand unless you're like. Just oh, yeah. unless you're just floating, but like every time you step, if you're moving at a fast pace, I mean, that bell is basically trying to pry your hand open actively every step. And, you know, for me, my driveway, if you went out with a six foot ruler, mm-hmm. you know, like to, to uh, like a level, bro, you can't find eight inches of level ground across yeah. that thing. You know what I mean? It's, it's road based and it's been driven over for a couple of years. So every step is a little mm-hmm. bit of a different problem in terms of as you go and it, that that's just always been a real fun thing. I've enjoyed that. Uh, a couple of things I've done with it that were just, I wanted to be able to do it. It took some time to get to, and I felt like it was worth it. So being able to do seated wrist curls with an inch in one hand, um, my best I've done was seven left-handed with a 175 pounder. And I've done two reps with my 200. And that was actually one of the more dangerous things in terms yeah. of, Right when you set it in your hand, you're wondering, like, man, am I about to bust my fucking wrists in a way that'll never heal? You know, because it's so. Um, that that to me was it felt it felt like it was worth something when I actually got to it. Um, on the thumbless lifts, I was going to so bring up I've a done... thumbless farmer's walk for you. If you weren't going to bring it up, you ran it like 22 I, feet, right? I've done 20, uh, 22 and a half, and that yeah. was measured out by. Eric and Rob were both here. Uh, it was funny. It was one of those lifting sessions. It's in fucking July. It's 100 degrees. We're on there wearing jeans. It's only 130 degrees in a shop at that time. And I, I could just keep looking down the barn. And Eric's like, well, just fucking do it. Quit looking at it and do it. I'm like, all right, man, I'm going to try it out. And I think I had two or three attempts. Like My first one was like 16 and a half. I was like, oh, shit, that's looking real good today. And then I had like a 19. And then that next trip nearly to 23 feet. Um, and that felt, that felt good because that is a very hard lift to do. Absolutely. Uh, and th- I mean, there's only, uh, there's only, uh, 
probably less than 10 people that have ever done double thumbless lifts in general. And now the farmers walk them almost 23 feet. I mean, that's a whole different, it's a whole different ball game. The, the only ones that I have seen do any amount of distance, say like more than a step. So um, storm, um, I'm going to say, there we go. So storm comes out. Apparently he lives pretty close to Lucas Raymond and Mm -hmm. Jen close enough that they get to get the train and uh storm was able to do um i mean like 20 feet or something like that very very easily you know he's got a really powerful cup when he cups um i've done a uh hand-to-hand transfer thumbless back and forth thumbs on both sides and storm was able to do that too which is very impressive kind of deal because he i mean i don't even know if he'd done any actual belt training with it but is just his wrist and cupping strength is so strong. Mm-hmm. So he was one of the only other people I've seen do that. I haven't seen Dingy try it, but I have to imagine if Jason tries a double thumbless walk, he will he will get some shit done. Um, yeah, Jason's super strong wrist. Yeah. I, I The only thing I would worry about for him would just be, and he'd, he'd know the right time to try it. Um, so it, it is a lot more biceps tendon involved. Mm, like, yeah. When your farmer's walking two bells, if you're smart, okay, there's only two ways you're going to do it. You're either you're either Mark Felix, and you are so fucking strong that you can bent arm hold it. If you mm-hmm. watch Mark was his attempts, Mark Felix will be almost, you know, seventy degree elbow bend and carry yeah. this thing. Yeah, you know that's that's world class, real world class, world strongest man competitor. The rest of us goons, if you're smart. You better completely relax that arm, and you really need a completely extended elbow. Otherwise, <laughs> you got weight hanging on your tendon insertion. Well, thumbless presents a couple problems with that. Thumbless, you man, to, to get mechanical leverage to keep the cup, you're going to have to have some elbow bend in it. So the, the one thing I will say is, for the guys who are going to go and try that, you know, number one, you do you, do you but just be aware it probably is the more dangerous variation of those. And it definitely will put you in a spot where if you're going to have a bicep tendon issue, it's probably going to come out in the lift like that. Yeah. That, that thumbless, I, I've, I've done some with smaller bells, just like the thumbless to thumbless transfer. You can feel it, especially with the dynamic stuff like that. You can feel it hit the bicep tendon. I mean, Oh yes. With that arm. It's, it, it's a thing. Um, to kind of backtrack to something we were speaking about, um, a little bit uh, prior to the interview or to this section of the interview was uh, mentioning uh, training with magnets and stuff like that with inch dumbbells. Yeah. And uh, you kind of, you kind of thought that maybe Bob Sundin was the first person you saw kind of implementing that in a, in a certain way. Okay. So if, if it's not Bob, who's the first then I'll say that Bob is the first guy who told anybody that it was a thing. Okay. Meaning if Bob learned it from someone else, I have, I don't know if that was just him working out the details in his mind or if it, it was a conversational piece. Bob was the guy I saw do it. And the way that I saw it. So I've, I had seen Bob training to lift the inch since maybe 2007 or eight. I'm thinking, I mean, it was, it was quite a while ago. And the two standout parts was number one, Bob was, Bob is just skin, bones, muscle. He has no body fat. He was in the 170s when he was doing this, which at the time 
you go back to that time period, he was the only guy that was under 200 that was even trying to put in any kind of work with it. Mm-hmm. And, and the other crazy thing is if you can find any of that footage, Bob is out lifting in basically a huge fucking mud pit in his backyard. Yeah. Like he wasn't even in a garage, bro. He was like outside, you know, in the, the rain <laughs> where it's always raining or it's a million percent humidity. Yeah. I mean, he was, he was training at the hardest damn way to do it. And uh, it made him incredibly strong. So uh, I got, I would communicate with Bob quite a bit online back in that time period. And then he actually came up to Minnesota lifted at one of the world's strongest hands legs with me. And he had talked about his training quite a bit. So uh, I give credit to Bob for that technique. If there's somebody else, it's, I'm not trying to exclude you. I just don't know that you were doing it too. But to me, it's, it's probably out of like, there's four or five good ways that you can work your way into an inch lift, presuming you cannot lift the inch. Magnets might be what I consider the very slickest of all. Okay, because some of the other things you could do, you could put your free hand on top of the bell and manually stop the rotation and over time, you know, work down to different fingers and shit. And that works. I I do that myself. The problem is, is it's it's not very objective. It's hard to say how much assist you were giving yourself yesterday versus last week or how much you give next week. The magnets are pretty they're they're pretty objective, even to the point that, you know, you could take a little paint marker you could make a dot or something and play games of working the magnet above and below the dot, which would change the amount of rotation assist you get. And then of course, once you can lift it, we have introduction of the magnet to the thumb side. Mm -hmm. And, and for those of you that never, never tried it, you may be able to lift an inch dumbbell pretty good. And we put a 1.25 pound magnet on the thumb side and it may run away from you every time. So it it, it goes quick. it, It makes a fixed weight, um, very progressive again. So it's a very, very smart training method. And I, I've used that for, I mean, a decade since I learned it from Bob. I think it's anybody who's who's serious about progressing, not just with what they can accomplish with, with their inch, but all, all of their fat lifts, they really need to be playing around with how you're impacting the rotation, both for you and against you in both directions. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. I think that'll be a good tip for people that are listening in. And uh, it's interesting, like, it's interesting to bring up Bob's name because I think he's a guy that I don't want to say in, t- in today's thing, you know, he's not, he obviously doesn't post a lot. He's not out there on Instagram throwing up videos and stuff. He's, I want to say he's probably pushing close to 70 now, or he's probably in his sixties. I, 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 I believe I, I, Bob was in his, I think he'd be, I think he'd be 60 now. I'm, I'm thinking he was in his late forties when I met him in 2011. So yeah, I think he'd be, I think he's in his sixties. Maybe, maybe even older. he looked younger probably than he was too. Cause he was in such good condition. So his, yeah. he wasn't a guy that you'd look guess his age first go. Yeah. So I, I just know that he's, he was mentioned a little bit in James episode because those guys trained together and, uh, mentioned him, you know, as kind of a pioneer for maybe some of the lighter weight guys trying some of these body weight or bigger, bigger feats or feats that were seemed that seemed out of reach for the smaller guys. And Bob was kind of trying to take them head on. I would need James to confirm the numbers because he would know. So I'm, I'm going to throw out a number and I'm not being flippant with it. I'm, this is how I remember it. 
So whether mm-hmm. it's true or not, the way I remember it was, I remember that Bob was up approaching between like 218 and 222 on a Rolling Thunder. And that was it. You know, these guys lifting sessions, which, you know, they were informal. But then again, everybody's paying attention to what everyone else is doing. And nobody's mm-hmm. allowed to just walk out of the make claims. You, you know what I mean? You don't yeah. get to leave practice and say you did 30 yeah. if it was really 225. And if I'm remembering right, Bob was Bob was very much in that 220 range on a rolling handle. Like, I mean, he was for a man his size and bone structure, he was a very good fat bar lifter. And a good pincher. I, I if I can remember right, Bob could pinch two forty fives, no issue either hand. Yeah, I think he went on and I want to say he pinched two fifty fives as well. Bob's Bob's forty pinching was was solid. I mean, and, and if you really want to be specific, everything's relative to what you've seen. So if you go back to that time period, he was one of the lightest weight guys during that era of the sport that would do it. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not, I'm not, was the lightest. I just can't think of anybody offhand that, you know, weighed, say, under 180 that could do 245s. I'm sure there's somebody I'm forgetting. I don't remember who it would have been. You know, Chris Rice was always consistently right around 200 pounds. Chris, very good 45 pincher. Um, Besides that, though, the other light guys that could do it would have been like Eric, me, uh, Paul, when Paul was under 100 kilos, would you say, uh, Andrew, when Andrew was would under. Would you say Cody Burns? Uh, yeah, well, Cody came a little bit. Little... Yep, Cody. Cody's in that time okay. period. I, I guess I always count Cody a little bit more towards the middle okay. range. Cody's first that one of my my was that one of my last contests I hosted okay. in Minnesota. And what I was, so before Cody came out, he had sent me a video of him doing like around the body pass with a pair of 45s. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, shit, like if this is a sport you're thinking of getting into, you're going to do great. And <laughs> Cody's first contest, and he did fantastic. That was a 10 event uh, format. If I'm remembering right, I'm pretty sure Eric Razone and Cody were both at that same contest. Okay. I'd have to. Look, it would have been either the third or fourth decathlon that we did. That would have been like late 2012. And, um, you know, of course, Cody went on phenomenal pincher. And uh, um, I haven't seen what Cody's been up to in the last few years, but he's one of those guys that if he starts fooling around in his garage any day of the week, he'll be back up to full power in under six months. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like he's, for him, it's naturally a part of his strength. He won't need necessarily all this prep time to get right back into it. Yeah. And then um, just to kind of Early circle back in. I wouldn't in, suspect you would. Oh, yeah. No, no. Um, and then to kind of circle back in, I guess one of the – I'll kind of start to close a little bit is uh, like – I guess what is it about the inch dumbbell? Obviously, we know it's the rotation, it's the gloves, but like we're all kind of the same in the fact that obviously we want to keep pushing the limits and lifting with it, whatever. But it's like, what is it about the inch dumbbell to you that just makes it so special? You know, to me, it's it's one of those. Um, you know, I joke about this that the problem with with grip training and grip sport training is that someone can do a whole lot of it and never really be too strong. 
Not really. You know what I mean? You could spend a lot of time hub spring grippers and ultimately not be that strong. I haven't seen somebody who commits to inch dumbbell lifting for a stretch of time that you do not see a multitude of other benefits to them. You're going to see all different types of strength advantage. And part of that is, is because you're, you're talking about, you know, 175 pound chunk of metal and there's, there's never really taking it all that easy with it. The ways that can be lifted and used are many, you know, you have, you can squat with it, you know, goblet squats of an inch dumbbell will kick your ass. Even if you're a pretty good squatter, because the weight is in front of your body so far, um, for uh, pure wrist training, trying to lift an inch by setting it vertical and cupping on side of the globe, that is redonkulously hard. Um, anybody who's trying to press with the inch will tell you it's not just the weight of the press that makes it something. It's that because your hand is nearly opened up, it's a whole different thing. Uh, there's a lot of guys out there that I bet they could pretty easily push press a 175 dumbbell with a normal diameter handle. The same guy who could do that may fail with an inch for quite some time, especially because it is still rotating inside your hand when yeah. you're in this angle, still wants to turn. So it's it, it can be very, very deep. One way someone might look at it is they say, oh, well, you know, you one hand deadlifted and that's it. And there's nothing wrong with that. If they do that, that's good for them. It's, it's going to be helpful to them. But if people look closer, there's a lot of good things to get out of it. If, if I decided to get rid of all my grip shit, I still would keep my inch. And if, if I was only going to do one thing for hand strength, that would be the one thing that I would do. And, and it would pay off. It's, it's really hard to, to believe someone say, that guy can lift an inch dumbbell and he's got a weak hand. It, it's just, you, you know what I mean? Like that, yeah. that makes sense. So to me, it's lifting the inch dumbbell in itself is not a world-class feat. It is a good level feat, but there are things that can be done with an inch that can be world-class. And that if somebody wanted a world-class grip, it would be hard to believe that you could claim that and not be able to lift an inch. And and, uh, along with that, you know, one lifter that stands out, so the phenomenal Canadian uh, Yves Gravel, 147 mm-hmm. deadlifting the inch. And his hand is, I don't even know if he's got a seven inch hand. That might be the pound for pound yeah. best single lift that anyone's done. Um, Tanner was able to do the inch right at 171, lifting the 171. Tanner was able to do the 200 weighing under 200. He was able to do my 213 weighing under 213 and then pick up his 229 millennium bell under that body weight. Um, it's, it's not a coincidence when you look at the guys that are not only beating the weight classes, but they're beating high above that, that you see that same thing. So it's to me, the inch dumbbell dumbbells that are like the inch dumbbell, they are an important part, not only of the history of what's been done, but I feel that they're an important part of the future that I, I, there, there are people that they want to make their own variation of grip leagues and all that. And I think that's great. Make, make up whatever variation you want to get people to play. 
but I will hope that heavier one-handed lifts never go out of style for competition because they should never go out of style for training. Yeah, no, I would agree with that. So, like I said, with that being said, and we've seen that recently probably with a lot of guys, there's a lot of uh, lighter weight guys that have kind of popped up, whether it be rock climbing backgrounds and other stuff like that. But, um, But when you see them pulling off big lifts and stuff like that, they can lift the inch. There's a, there's a few newer guys that can kind of lift the inch and they've been outdoing everybody above the weight, you know, two, three weight classes above them. And it is kind of one of those things where you, you almost can't pick up bells like that, that are your body weight or above and not have a strong grip or not be a force when it comes to competitions. Absolutely. Um, so I think it's a really good point that, uh, really good point you made there. And, I think it's a really big statement too, saying that if you got rid of all your stuff, the inch dumbbell would be, you know, like the one thing that you would keep. And there's there's several other guys that share the same opinion. I mean, I if I sold plates, barbells, other things out of my gym, it's like I'm not getting rid of my bells. Like I just couldn't do it. No, no, and and the 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 thing is about it is, um, they're rare, but that could change one day, but the more Mm -hmm. important, um, it will always be that challenge that will be in front of you. You know what I mean? If, if a day comes and and even then it's a funny thing to say, if I say, if a day comes, you can't lift it, but you look at a guy like, Ode, Ode's in his seventies. He can still pick up his inch. And why is that? Well, stopped. And I think that's probably a big, a big part of it. Right. But, um, that will always be there. That can be the kind of thing that can go down through. I mean, I, man, I have to imagine an inch dumbbell that's cast correctly ain't going to break for a thousand damn years. Yeah. You know what I mean? Think about that. You oh, think about yeah. all the shit that fills gyms, you know, fucking Cybex machine breaks in under five years of use at a commercial facility. Ask anyone who's had to run a facility. You're fixing machines all the time. Who, who can tell me they've broke a properly cast dumbbell like that. Yeah, you know what uh, I mean? I wouldn't know of anybody. It, it'll never happen. It, it will outlast all of us. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, now, Adam, like I said, with uh, just discussing the inch dumbbells and stuff, is there anything else you'd like to add about the Thomas inch dumbbell, anything related to that subject? I know we covered training methods, the importance of it. A lot of different lifters give, have been, you know, given credit to, um, any, I guess, I guess anything else to kind of close with maybe. Uh, you know, the last thing I'll say is this is because they are rare and because they are hard to get. If an opportunity comes your way, whoever's hearing this, that somehow you can get one. I don't care how stupid the cost or effort may seem at the time to get it. Do it. Okay, if somebody wants to sell you an inch dumbbell for $900, fucking pony up the money, do it. You won't be disappointed 10 years later that you did. There's yeah. a bunch of guys tell you that they did pass on a chance to get an inch. And I guarantee you there, there's regret in their eyes when they tell you the story of how they could have had one and they didn't get it. Um, you know, for me, I am happy to know that that my first two bells I ever got went to guys that not only use them themselves, but are in a training environment, one an arm wrestling club, one a jujitsu club. But even then, 
uh, I, I kind of wish I never would even got rid of those two. And the ones I have now, <laughs> and that's literally a pride out of my cold, dead hands kind of thing. I will never sell them. I will never, I, I'm at a point, you know, us, there's a couple of us guys that we loan equipment to each other, but man, the number of guys I'd loan on my dumbbells too, I can count it on one hand. You, you could guess all their names, but it's like, it's, yeah. it's just, if you get one, you'll never be disappointed if somebody offers to sell you one in some moment of weakness, jump on that shit. Um, hey, and then if they really beg you to sell it back to them, be cool and do it. And you guys can bounce back and forth over the decades or whatever. But if you can get one, get it. You will, yeah. you will never be mad that you got that bell. All right, everybody with me here. I have Joe Hodson all the way from Australia. And Joe, I have to give a shout out to you because a lot of this was kind of your idea. Um, I wanted to do topic discussions. And a lot of times I always envisioned having a panel of like four or five people at the same time discussing it, which may happen in the future, but messing with all these different time zones and all these different elite lifters in different countries, it can be hard to get everybody on the same schedule. And you were kind of like, well, Hey, you could kind of just do like segments of each person and do like individual like snippets and kind of mash them together. So, um, I got to give you credit, man. And I got to thank you for kind of coming up with this format. And, you know, I mean, obviously we're doing the format, but uh, yeah, this, this episode wouldn't be going down this way if it wasn't for us talking about that. So um, just want to start off by saying that now everybody knows you pulled off some really big bell lifts. You're one of the best bell lifters, in my opinion, that there's, there's ever been, I know that's like big stuff, but like, it's, it's true. Um, when did you first hear about the Thomas inch dumbbell? If you can remember. The first time I lifted, uh, I heard about the Thomas inch dumbbell was probably like 2018. We were in COVID and I was staying up at my wife's farm so we could get out of the rat race because the whole city was being locked down. And, um, they had on the farm, I had this tractor's axle that was like 55 mil thick and about eight foot long and it was about 60 kilos or something like that and I started doing like hand-to-hand transfers with it and deadlifting and stuff like that and I was just mucking around on YouTube and came across uh, Adam Glass's videos and Jed Johnson's videos and this handle looked kind of similar to what I was lifting and um, I was just like wow where on earth do you get these things so I started trying to google them and that and I couldn't find any and um, Adam Glass at the time was like transferring hand to hand, doing the air transfers. Mm-hmm. And I really naively reached out and I tried to give him some advice. <laughs> <laughs> and he's just super polite, like, hey man, like, thanks for everything out, but you know, wait till you try one. You'll, you'll see that it's, you know, you can't just lock your hand a little bit harder. There's a bit more to it. And I was like, oh, okay. And that just got me thinking, like, why, like, how, how could it be harder than that, you know? And anyway, I totally got obsessed with the idea and um, I kept Googling and then I I was trying to, you know, look up Inch, Inch Dumbbell Australia. And the first one I came across was the Bruce White Inch. And um, that was kind of, I got really excited about that and I was trying to track that down for quite a while and that's in Western Australia somewhere and um, I can't seem to locate that. But, but um, on the same site, that gave the blurb about Bruce White's inch. He also had um, information about the Wallaces, 
which a guy like a stonelifter from Scotland called James Graham, he imported these inch dumbbells from Germany, but they were misshapen, so the handle's enormous. And um, anyway, they turned out to be in the Blue Mountains, which is about two hours from my house. So I reached out to him and said, is it possible for me to come try these things? And he said, well, I'd, I'm happy to let you, but uh, they now belong to Luke Reynolds. So maybe if you reach out to him, you know, the Australia's strongest man guy. And I reached out to him and Luke was awesome. He was really cool. He's like, yeah, man, anytime you want, you can, you can come and try them. And coincidentally, about two days later, I was driving past the gym where they lived and um, I trained hip bar the, the day before and I didn't even tweet that that may be where these Wallaces were. And uh, anyway, I pulled into the gym and I managed to lift them. I was the second person and, and that kind of really lit the fire, you know. <laughs> oh, yeah. I was like, wow, now, now I want to lift all bells. Right? <laughs> yeah. Were, uh, but, were they kind of surprised that you kind of just popped up and lifted it like that or lifted those bells okay. like that? Totally, yeah. Yeah, because yeah. uh, one of the guy had lifted one of them and I was the first person to lift both of them. And I did both of them. On, on, on the first day, but but I had been training sort of rolling handles and stuff for a while, and and just before that, I'd sort of just made my own style kind of inch dumbbells, like these ones, but um, I literally finished them, hadn't tried to lift them, <laughs> and then I went out there and tried them, and the obsession began. <laughs> okay, yeah, so then yeah. that's kind of you getting an intro now. You talked about making your homemade ones. Um Yep. Were your homemade ones the first ones that you actually were training with and had access to? Uh, no. The first ones I – well, I made them, and then a couple of days later I went and did the Wallaces. So the Wallaces were the first ones okay. that I tried to live. I, I made one that was 45 kilos, and then this one that was 85 kilos. And I lifted the 45 kilo, but that's not an inch. It's not nowhere near inch weight, so I wouldn't even count that. But – um. I couldn't find where to buy them. The importing them was crazy expensive. I didn't even know what I was paying for. So I didn't know whether I really wanted this expense. And um, so so I started making these ones. And I made so I made two of these for myself and I've since made a few for a few friends. So what I got was two forty five kilo dumbbells and I cut the handle off one and I welded it on the outside. And then I've left the handle in place for the first one, and I just got a 60 mil pipe, cut it that long, cut it, cut it, and then around the handle on the inside, I wrapped it out with tape to pack it, and then when I put the two pieces together, it sat snugly, and it was also centered, yeah. and it had the strength of the original handle anyway, I didn't dismantle it, and then I just seam welded along it both sides, and then went around the outside, and so it ended up, um, it's, it's probably a little tiny bit under six 60 mil because you've got to take the, the, the cutout. And when you yeah. weld it, I think it's the metal a little. But it's pretty much the same size. <laughs> well, yeah. No, because the... I'll keep going. Sorry, Zach. No, keep going. Yeah, oh, I was just going to say, it, it actually presents another challenge anyway because the handle is so long. So in, in order to lift this level, you've got to perfectly center your hand and also there's no bell contact whatsoever. So if I was going to lift another bell... The front of my hand or the back of my hand may make contact with the bell and I can still lift it to level. But to lift this thing level, it's completely bell-free and you're balancing. So it's yeah. 
a really, really difficult bell to lift. And I, I was actually training this thing pretty, pretty poorly. <laughs> I had it right out in front and I was trying to lift it because I thought if I lift it, it'll clear my legs. And anyway, I hurt my back pretty bad and had a couple of months off. And um, I lifted that one later. But, but this is the first sort of inch bell that I ever had. Okay. And then once, um, were you like lifting that one regularly before you got into the other nah. ones or was Nah, this was is this kind of like a, this this is is like a real challenge bell. bell. Yeah. 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 I don't, no one else has lifted that one yet. I don't think, um, Luke came around for a session. He, he could have lifted it, but it wasn't at my house when he came around. So I think gotcha. although I made it in about, uh, uh, maybe early 2020, I'm still the only person who's lifted that one. Okay. Gotcha. And then, yeah. um, where did you go from that? Cause I mean, obviously you have a collection of bells and you have, you know, more than one at this point. Um, and you yeah. kind of moved up from having your homemade setup to having ones that were actually produced from foundries or produced by other makers. Um, yeah. what was that progression kind of like, you know, like, I guess maybe in quick order, like, you know, what, what was kind of the next bell or what were kind of some of the next things you got your hands on and what was that process like? That was a long, stressful process. <laughs> uh, I was talking <laughs> to my friend, friend uh, Glenn Crudley down in Melbourne. He really wanted an inch as well. And he's like, oh, like we're going to import some. And I was like, man, surely we can get someone here. So I started scouting around and I found a foundry that's kind of near my parents' place about an hour from my house. And I reached out to them and I said, I want to make a dumbbell. Can you make it? And they said, send a picture. So all I had was a picture of the Bruce White inch. So I just mm-hmm. took a photo of that and sent them. I said, can you make this? And they said, yep. And then they looked into it and they said, the pattern's going to be X amount of money um, and we can't guarantee that it's going to be the right way. And I said, well, I need it to be 78 kilograms. And I said, well, we can't do it then because if we make it small and it comes out light, it's just not a viable process financially for us. And then I said, well, okay, well, as long as it's no less than 78 kilos, we can go ahead. And they said, okay, cool. And they came back. And so they, they took a couple of weeks and they made this, this pattern. And so what they do is they make that out of timber and they seal it with paint. And then they fill it full of sand, which is mixed with silica, I think, which kind of sets it. And then they, they pack it all in nice and tight around everything. And they make two halves. And then you've got these aligning points. You put the two together and you pour the steel in the middle. So I made that. And then the finished product was, was this. Yeah. They're pretty good at breaking things. So this came out at 83 kilograms. I was having a conversation with um, Carl Maisko before I made them and I said, I want to make an 80 kilogram inch. And he said, well, inch dumbbells are 78 kilograms. So you kind of want it to be 78 kilograms. Otherwise, it's not an inch. You can call it whatever you want. <laughs> but it's not really an inch unless it's kind of, you know, pretty close to that mark. And I sort of took that on board and I was like, yeah, that's, that's pretty true. And because this came out 83 kilograms, which was um, five kilograms heavier than the inch or 10 pounds, we, um, we called it the Hudson Crutley Bell because it was me and Glenn went in 
foot the bill to get one made. <laughs> we asked around quite a few people. No one was really interested, so we only got two made. And um, since then, the foundry has uh, not had any interest whatsoever in making them. I was probably a pretty painful customer. I was, <laughs> I was, I was onto them. It's got to be perfect. The handle has to be perfectly round, 60 mil wide. 100 mil long, and um, yeah, so so there's only two in existence, and they refuse to make any more, but it, it came out perfect. And I got no, that it, one, and it looks like an awesome spot. Oh, it's fantastic. So this has been listed by five people now. It had a rough spot here when I got it, so the first day I lifted it, I got it to about knee height, and then I got home, and I'm like, nah, we're not doing that. So I hit it, and I got it perfectly round, got rid of all the rough spots. And I thought, I want this to be a real challenge bell. I don't want there to be an easy out. And if anyone says they've lifted the Hudson Greeley bell, they lifted a, a tough bell, you know. So I made it really difficult. After I did that, it took me about three months to, to lock it out properly. And I think not well. long after that, Glenn lifted it as well. Okay. Well, man, if I ever get over your way and we ever do some training, I have to uh, I have to give it a shot. Um, oh, man. more. I'm definitely keen for people to lift it and get that on the list that's for sure yeah it's it's, it's cool that you reached out and got that made um it's like i said from a whole i I like the fact that you've given people kind of a a process for making their own maybe not globe shaped bells but like your first one with the homemade um like the hodson bell and then there you have the hk or the hodson crutley bell um you know that was you know reaching out to a foundry and having them you know produce it whereas the other one you pretty much made hands-on yourself. And if somebody wanted something to kind of replicate that kind of strength or replicate the inch dumbbell feel, you know, they're kind of scarce out there. It is hard to get them. So that, that that's triggering people to kind of, uh, I don't know, maybe get up and make their own. So, um, yeah, whether it's through a foundry or whether it's doing it yourself, it's like if you want these things bad enough or you become obsessed enough, you're going to find ways to make it happen. So I like the fact that you have multiple ways you've done it. Well, if you make the homemade ones there, they work out about $2 a kilo. But if you buy them, they're about 10 bucks a kilo, roughly, give or take. So you can save a hell of a lot of money. You can gain the same amount of strength. Um, and if you're in a country where shipping's impossible or crazy well you still got options you can still get as strong as the guys you can still test yourself you can still do worthy lifts you know yeah i think it's a really good point um now yes sorry you know know, i was gonna say with with that bell what what does that come out to is 83 kilos do you know is it like 180 uh i think 183 pounds okay 180 283 pounds or something i I was trying to do the math in my head um yeah but with that being you know a a good portion above the actual Thomas inch dumbbell. Um, yep. I bet, I bet by the time you got an actual 78 in your house, you were like, man, I'm already used to, yeah, it's like, that's, that's a, <laughs> that's, a dro- that's a drop set. Right. Um, yeah. so yeah, it's, it's kind of well, cool that you at least shot high. Yeah. Well, this, this is really cool because it was fully Australian made, which I'm, I really like Australian made stuff. You probably love American made stuff. This is fully Australian made, and it's the second Australian made inch dumbbell ever that I'm aware of. So the Bruce White's one, and then these ones, and there's only three of them. So there's the Bruce White inch and the two GK bells. Yeah. Or H bells. <laughs> yeah. No, no, you're good. Yeah, yeah. I 
I got yeah. what you meant. Um, so, so after, after, after that, we've got a big import from Holly. So we've got a bunch of dumbbells. And so, as you said, I was already well prepared for these by the time they arrived. Mm-hmm. So I think we've got eight-inch dumbbells. And as soon as the pallet arrived, I could lift all eight in a row. And then I was, I was mucking around with a 104. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so what you have right there in front of you would be the actual uh, Thomas Inch replica. Yep, yep. That's, Which, that's the 78 kilogram full Thomas Inch. Yeah. Yeah. So for anybody that is wondering, you know, I sometimes it gets confusing, but yeah, right around 172 pounds or 78 kg is what that initial replica was. So some of those bells that Joe was showing us pr- uh, prior to this are even more difficult than what the feed itself is. Um, just, just so people are aware. Now, I made the statement, Joe, that you're one of the best bell lifters ever. And it's because you've lifted some of the heaviest bells ever to be level lifted. And you've lifted some of the heaviest bells that have ever been tilt lifted um, on both sides. So if if there's anything special that you want to bring up about the actual replica itself, you could go ahead. If not, then if you could maybe do like a quick, like side-by-side comparison of that with the 104, I'd like to talk about some of your 104 lifts as well. I kind of, um, I believe in lifting the heaviest bells you can level because the amount of strength that you gain from that is really important. But I also think that every human has their limit. So basically any bell to me up to about 90 kilos or 200 pounds, I really think it kind of needs to be level lifted. Mm -hmm. For me personally, not everyone might feel the same. But once you go above that, like I only only weigh 220 myself or just above. So... I don't know that me as a human will ever be able to gain the strength to level with the 104. Like I'd love to, and it was, you know, goal number one for quite a while. But um, there's quite a few of the strongest people in the world that haven't lifted at level. And so after quite a while of trying it, I, I kind of think maybe I need to adjust my goals a little. And it's still kind of on the back burner. I, I definitely want to get there, but I'm not obsessed like I used to be. So, yeah, anyway, this is the 78 or the 172. And then this is the 104 or 132 pounds. Uh, they're really fun to move. <laughs> <laughs> I've got the camera, so I don't really know. All right. Yep, no, you're fine. Yeah, so Joe's going to show us right now, and as everybody can see, with that 104 kg, uh, Joe, what does that weigh in at? Like close to 230? Uh, 232. Okay. So yeah. a little over 230 pounds. Um, yeah, j- just that size comparison. I really wanted to put that in perspective for people because not a lot of people have seen an inch dumbbell replica in person and they really haven't seen a millennium inch style dumbbell or one that's that size, you know, in the, in the same room. So just th- one, just for the sake of, you know, kind of doing the inch dumbbell episode, but also just showing the bells that you're lifting because when anybody sees you lift that one Oh four and anybody else that has one, they shouldn't, I mean, they know how hard that is, but to the average viewer, they're just seeing another big dumbbell be lifted. So, uh, 
I really wanted to kind of show that side, that side by side comparison. So that you're kind of getting the, the full credit you deserve for being able to pick that thing up because there's not a lot of people in the world that can move that thing, let alone pick it up and, uh, and lock it out the way you do. So, um, like I said, for what it's worth, uh, I, I think you're one of the best bell lifters ever and the lifts are the proof. And I would, uh, I would stand by that. And it's basically because of that, uh, that bell and the amount of lifts you've done and the other like level lifts and stuff you've done. Yeah, that's kind. Right? I don't know if people, everyone understands what we're talking about, but when I lift this, I lift it completely level, so it stays level to the ground. But when I lift the 104, I lift the rear bell first, and then as the bell comes up, the rear bell makes contact with the back of my hand, mm-hmm. and then that helps reduce the spinning, and then I can lift it. Then I can lock it out from there. Whereas this, when you lift it level, the bells are not making that hard contact. The further up your wrist, the less spin. So if you see someone using like a loadable handle and they've got like 45-pound plates, well, the plates are digging in up here. Yes. <laughs> so because of the centrifugal force, there's all, there's no spin at all. So people say, oh, 78 kilogram left with a you know the trainer. I think, wow, it's not really the same, is it? <laughs> but, um... So I like I said, I, I really wanted to make that comparison for people. And I wanted them to really understand, you know, kind of what they're seeing because it's, it's hard to fathom an inch dumbbell. If you haven't seen it in front of you, it's really hard to understand something that's a 230 pound version of it or 230 plus. And uh, without getting physical hands on that thing, um, it, it can be tough to really understand what you're seeing. So yeah. uh, hats off to you for being one of the very few people that have ever lifted that. And um okay. As more 104s get out there and make their way around, we'll either see a couple other guys joining you or we'll be waiting for a while because maybe they find out it's not as easy as uh, you make it look. So, I'm, I'm always pretty quick to put the disclaimer in that um, only three of us have, but that doesn't mean only three of us can. So, yeah. so I think I was the first person to lock it out. I, I don't take that to mean I'm the first person that could. It just happens that I was, and and that's because they're they're not widely available either. So, there's, I'm sure there's some monsters hiding somewhere that'll that'll do some very impressive lifts as soon as they can get their hands on them. But <laughs> well, no, I, yeah, I think as uh, I think as the sport or as these things get brought more, they get more attention brought to them. We might start seeing that. We've seen it with a lot of other things. You know, people. Um, I was actually listening to a Grip Sport Latino today. And uh, it was Jalen Worley's episode and um, Poncho who runs the show. He was even giving you a shout out at the end of the episode because he was basically saying um, they're talking about how, you know, like guys pop up out of nowhere. And he was saying, yeah, you know, just a couple of years ago, it's like Joe, Joe from Australia pops up out of nowhere. And we're like, where's this guy? Been? Because he's lifting crazy. So yeah, there's, there's going to be those guys like, like you or, you know, whoever else that, uh, yeah they're around and uh they're lifting they're training like you said it might be lifting on some axle thing or some oddball thing and they they just need to learn about it or they just need to get uh that fire yeah the the access or get that fire lit to go find one or someone puts it in front of them before we find out but uh but no man um 
did you have any other um, like historical stuff about inch dumbbells? Because I know we've mentioned Bruce White um, and talking about that being the, uh, was that the second ever inch dumbbell or technically the first yeah, replica uh, yeah, of the yeah. inch made? Um, so, as far as I know, it was the first replica of the inch. So Bruce traveled to England and saw it and then came back and he found a founder in Australia a, uh, a year or two later. I can't remember the exact history. And then he got one cast, and I think about 1980 kind of era. And then 40 years later, I found it. There's <laughs> quite a gap. And then I got the Hudson Crudely Bell made. And then, um, yeah. And now, if you want an inch dumbbell, you can just reach out to Nathan Hall, and you can get one anytime you want. Yeah, they're, yeah. They're, they're pretty. They're pretty available now. But uh, he was kind of making them then, but. I didn't even really know he was making them at the start, and I didn't know how available they were. So, um, if you want one, you can you can get them now. <laughs> yeah, you might have to pay a little bit, or you might have to group up with some people on some shipping or something. But it oh, totally. it is it, it it is possible. You know, it is it it is possible, and I really wish that. You know, I, I wish there were foundries in Australia that were just making them in different increments. I wish there was that in the U.S. You know, I, I wish we all just had our own country producing bells uh, in different increments so we could all have easier access to them. But, um, totally. yeah, Nathan, 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 if you want bells in different increments right now, it seems that Nathan is pretty much the route to go. So, yeah, uh, it's good good that you mentioned that. Um, all right, Joe. So with that being said, I have to ask you, I asked this question to some other guys as well. But what is it about the inch dumbbell that is special to you? Or do you feel like was special to you in the beginning or through the journey of all this lifting? What do you think is so special about just a thick handled dumbbell with globes? I mean, it's a very simple design, but yet we're all so obsessed with it or the feet, the challenge, whatever it may be. It might be different for each person, but what is it about the inch dumbbell, the history, uh, just the challenge for you? What was so special about it? I think it's all of the above. I, I, I think for me personally, it was a full body challenge as well. I'd never really trained deadlifts. So I had to make my entire body stronger to be able to lift these things. And even just lifting, like trying to lift the Hudson bell, which was 85 kilograms, that's not a lot of weight for a lot of people. But for me, man, I, I got seriously injured trying that. So it was, <laughs> it was a full body challenge. And it's, I love just how simple it is. Yeah, how complex it is. Mm-hmm. It's you reach up and you reach down and you grab this bell, but then there's just so much going on in your fingers, in your wrists, in your thumb, in your arms, in your, in your you know your whole back chain, your legs, body position, and I just love how you hold. You need your entire CNS to be firing to make it happen. You can't just relax your whole body and lock your fingers in and lift it. Nah, this is a full body effort. And yeah. and, and there's the weight of the history and um yeah, it's it's hard to put into words. What no, about yeah. you, Zach? Like, what, what, how did you get the bug and what do you find so alluring about them? Man, uh like most, like most people's story, you know, you you hear of it online or you kind of see about you see about this unliftable dumbbell. And then, yeah. like most people that maybe have a strong grip or they think they have a strong grip or they've even been around weights at all, you start kind of sizing it up. 
and you start kind of thinking, yeah. you know, oh, it's 172 pounds. It's this thick. Like, you know, you start relating it to things you've already done or you kind of size it up from afar and you kind of wonder, like, I wonder if I could do that, you know, and uh, nobody ever wants to tell themselves, like, oh, I can't do that. Or at least my mind, I can't I, I, I can't live with that. I'm like, no, I, I, I got to find a way, even if I can't do it, you know, to start with, I got to make it happen. Um, so really, I had very similar story to you. I, I, I hate to keep repeating it, but it's just the truth. And it's how it happened. Um, it Love was, it. Uh, Love it. <laughs> it, it was, uh, it, it was Jed and Adam's videos. And I started watching that. And um, I actually reached out to Jed to get my first inch dumbbell. And oh, okay. I had, I saw, I saw a video and I mean, this video is probably like two years old on Jed's YouTube. So at the time I'm thinking like, this is probably some outdated video. Like this dude's not going to reply to me. Um, they probably don't even sell these anymore. Cause like, you can't just buy them online, you know, like I can't order yeah. it on Amazon. <laughs> so yeah. I was thinking like, I'm going to email this random dude and see if I can get this inch dumbbell thing. And, uh, I had been doing some rolling handles and I had just started doing very basic, like loading pin lifts and, and, and stuff like that. I mean, I had been lifting weights for a long time, but I hadn't really got into the grip stuff. And it was like within the first probably six months of maybe doing some like vertical lifts, some rolling thunder lifts, stuff like that, that I was like, you know, I'm interested in these feats, these challenges, you know? And, uh, that's where like the fat man blob and the Thomas inch dumbbell started like popping in my head. So anyway, to kind of move along, I, uh, I reached out to Jed thinking like, I don't even know who this guy is. He's not going to reply. This video is old. They probably don't even sell him. Dude messages me back like instantly. It's like, yeah, I can go ahead and set that up for you. You know, blah, blah, blah. Like, where do you, you know, like kind of like, where do you live? We'll get it rolling. And I'm kind of like, holy shit, this is working. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm like, man, this, this is working. So then for the longest time, I was just waiting for it to pop up. Like, you know, Hey, it's in oh. freight. When, when's it going to show up? When's it going to show up? And I've, I've mentioned it numerous times, but when they dropped that thing off out there in a gravel parking lot to me, um, Joe, it didn't budge. It didn't budge at all. And <laughs> me, me being cold, not warmed up. There wasn't any chalk. It doesn't, it doesn't matter if I had the best warm up of my life, the perfect seasoning and the best chalk, that dumbbell was not going to move at that point in time. So yeah. I had to train and build up to it and it took me a little bit of time, but it, I eventually, you know, got to it, but that was kind of my story. But yeah, I, I reached out to Jed thinking, man, this is some old video. This, this dude ain't going to talk back, you know, do whatever. And uh, that's kind of how I in a way started, you know, finding out about Jed or even talking to him, but that, that was it for me. But yeah, just basically seeing a challenge that I'd go online and I'd see guys, you know, that could deadlift 600 pounds and they can't pick it up. And I'm yeah. kind of like, you know, whoa, maybe there, maybe there's something to this thing or, you know, maybe, I'm, maybe I'm not, maybe I'm not made for this. I can't deadlift that much. I don't know, but I've, I've always had a strong grip, at least in my mind. So I, it, it just intrigued me. So once I, yeah. uh, once I got hands on it, then it kind of hit me like, okay, now I know what it is. Now, now I'm, now I'm like kind of mentally and, and physically prepared to take this on. And uh, I think it took me to where I was hitting like regular level lifts. It probably took me a little bit under a year or close to a year. Right-handed. Right, right and then yeah. left-handed was a little bit slower. It almost took me about 
before regular lifts were coming up lefty, it was almost the two-year mark. So it was about one year and then two years on the left hand. But still, I mean, I, I'm not complaining at all. But it definitely was – it wasn't like some of these guys where these, like, strong men just walk up casually and just pick it up and they're like, oh, yeah, that's a thing. Like, no, yeah. that didn't happen to me. So that's – I think, like you said, the challenge of it, the kind of the rarity of it, the history, all of it kind of packed into one – it's uh it's it's got the history it's old school like you said it's not something that you just typically will see anyone casually walk up and just pick up like you you got to grab the thing you know and uh it's it's a good symbol of strength or symbol of hand strength at least there's not anybody that really has weak hands that can walk up and pick one up so it's almost like a uh i don't want to say rite of passage but you get what i'm saying it is almost like a, a certain standard Oh, absolutely. And I think it's um it's quite a financial investment. And then to find out the price of one and then to know that it's gonna take three months to make and then however long to shift, you're like, is this even gonna turn up? And if it does, what if I can't lift it? So it's kind of like so my first step was I don't know, probably like a lot of people's was like, Can I get it? And then as soon as you find out that you can, then there's a timeline like well, do i really want it <laughs> like... yeah that yeah. that yeah. thought that thought had definitely crossed my mind i started thinking like man maybe this is only something ode can pick up or guys like that and, you know maybe it isn't for me and that was something that like as i was out in that parking lot just pulling on it it wasn't even spinning i mean my hands just popping off of it and i'm like i i don't know in yeah. my mind it just i had it pictured differently I was going to move that bell a little bit. I was going to do a little more to it. And uh, I, I didn't do anything. So, well, to, to his credit, like, if you look at all the videos and stuff of the people lifting it, if you're looking at Ode, if, if you're looking at Mark Henry, if that were the only videos out there, I probably wouldn't have put my money down for it. But it was only the fact that, you know, like Adam Glass, who was kind of my size and weight in the videos, was doing it that I thought, well, if he can do it, not I can, but maybe I can. Maybe I can work up to it, you know. And and that kind of that kind of helped convince me that you know I should I should put the effort in and get one to see where I stand, you know. <laughs> yeah, and and that's and I think that's an important thing that you just brought up is you know having somebody that was you know kind of relatable. And I've brought that up before where it's like, you know, when I saw, when I saw Adam do it, or I saw, you know, cause you were already lifting it by the time I entered this, you know, when I started finding out who everybody was, you know, you were already lifting bells and stuff. So it's like just seeing guys like you and Adam or, you know, Jed, even, I mean, Jed's a little, Jed's been bigger in the past, but I mean, even Jed still is not like some like world strongest man, you know, like stature. Um, He's, you know, Jed's roughly, you know, same height as me, maybe slightly taller, thicker, you know, more muscle, whatever. But, um, but yeah, he was kind of in between Adam and the next step up size wise. In my head anyway, I've never met Jed, but in person, so I don't know. But in the videos, he he looked like he had about 20 or so kilos on me. Whereas Adam, I was sort of like, oh, he's maybe comparable (laughs) size to me. Yeah. <laughs> it made, yeah, made me think it was a possibility. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And that's kind of what led me to uh, wanting to try it out. That was a big influence of, of mine as well, was just seeing kind of your regular person or kind of seeing yourself in those other lifters. And it's not like, oh, this is just something you see on TV that the strongest guys in the world do. It's like, no, this is like 
something obtainable, you know. Um, you, you probably you probably saw me. If that guy can do it, I can definitely do it. Now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I wish it worked that easy for the 104. I, I don't own one, but yeah. <laughs> if it was that easy, I'd be like, oh man, he's doing it. Let me just go do it real quick. But uh, when uh, when we had our order come in from Nathan, yeah, um, I got a 95, which is like 209 pounds. So 95 kilos. Yeah. I, cl- clearly, I haven't lifted that one yet. That's on my to-do list. But I did have yeah. the pleasure of moving uh, Ben Helms 104 around. So I know what the 104 feels like. And uh yeah, so I I got to have my hands on one then, and I was like, you know, holy shit, like, yeah, it, 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 like I said, it put it in perspective. You showing it on camera, but I got to like move one around in the vehicle and stuff like that. So I, I know yeah. what it means to lift it with one hand. Um, so um, I think we've pretty much touched on most stuff, Joe. Do you have anything that you think would be uh, maybe like a good? Actually, you know what. I have one more thing I want to at least ask you. Sorry about that. I was going to like kind of wrap up, but I want to make sure that uh, I bring it up because I know we've discussed the 104 lifts. Yeah. But are there any other like Thomas Inch dumbbell lifts or Thomas Inch dumbbell feats that maybe stand out to you or maybe ones that kind of like, uh, I don't know, mean more to you than other lifts that you've done with it? Is there certain um, things like, I know there might be like, oh, the first time I lifted this, but obviously you lifted heavier bells, but was it, you know, lifting that 104 for the first time? Does that lift just stand out? Is that like one of your favorites? Like what are some of your personal favorite lifts that you've done regarding some of these dumbbells? Uh, the first time I lifted the 85 Hudson bell because I destroyed my back on it. So when I did that, it was quite a triumphant moment. Um, when I lifted the Hudson Grootley bell, that one, that was another big moment. Um when I lifted 278s mm-hmm. together, that was big. When I lifted the, the Hudson Crutley in the 78, that was another big moment. These are all things that I never thought was possible for my body. Like, I knew Adam was doing stuff like that, but, I, but Adam's, you know, another league. I don't, I don't even, can, I don't see him as competition. I don't compare myself to him. He seems, you know, he's, he's, he's pretty unnatural. Um, and then, yeah, lifting the 104. And uh, the first time I lifted that, that, that was that was pretty crazy. I, um, it was pretty heavily tilted, but the fact that I could get it from lying flat on the ground to lock out on one hand, pretty amazing. Pretty, pretty, pretty amazing feeling. And I've probably done, I've probably done a dozen or so good lifts with it now. And, you know, sometimes even five sessions. Oh, probably a couple of dozen, actually. I've probably lifted it, you know, five or six times in a session now. That was pretty cool. And then I also did it with weight added to the thumb side to make it even much harder. Yeah. That was like a month ago, right? Yeah, something like Co- that. Co- I, couple, added, couple weeks ago. That, that was very recent. Yeah. Yeah, I added five pounds to the thumb side and got a full lockout lift with it. And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, it wasn't a fluke. I'm getting stronger. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. that, so now um you know the big question is well, what can i do next what what bells are bigger than that okay do and, uh, yeah do you have anything as far as future goals that you would like to mention at all um is there anything that um I- any specific bells maybe uh level lifting a certain bell just any anything that you could uh 
Yeah, I've got some I'd like to. I'd like to lift this 104 and a Batman at the same time. Okay. If I could get strong enough, my right hand's a bit weaker than my left, but if I could get my right hand strong enough to lift the Holy 30 blob and this at the same time, that'd, that'd be pretty cool as well. I don't know my body's ever going to be strong enough to do the inch and millennium combination lift, but that, that, that's a bit of a pipe dream. And... Uh, what else? If I could get to an original millennium somehow, that'd be that'd be pretty cool. I'd like to tick that off somehow. And then there's only other one of the bell that I really want to lift is um, Snookenstein. But I don't even know what what it weighs. I don't know where it is. I don't know how I could organise that. But you know, that'd be in a few years if I get stronger. Anyway. <laughs> oh, I got you. And lift the whole ninety-five level. That'd be pretty cool. Yeah, that's that. That's one that I'm working on as well. Is trying to level lift that 209 pound bell or that 95 kg. So that yeah. that's one that we can chase together there because yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll race that. <laughs> that, that thing is uh, that that thing's monstrous enough. I don't even want to think about trying to do a 104. I just want to try to lift that. Um, it's slippery. The handle on this thing's really slippery, and I I don't know the different process, but man, this. Thing is hard to hold. I find it. Uh, it's not a real lot easier than this thing, and it's you know ten kilos lighter. Yeah. Now I, I don't know if the process. Nathan said maybe they polish the handle or something, but huh, um, yeah, I don't know. Man, that's just a tough bell, so that's going to be a little while in the making. I feel <laughs> it's kind of similar to uh, my hall bells, where um, my eighty-five handle. Yeah. feels feels very very slick and then the 95 kg that i have has a little bit of like just a little bit better texture so i like how the the 95 feels but obviously the 85 is easier for me to lift i, I say yeah. easier but yeah it's they're all tough but uh but yeah so it, there is just some variance it's, it's probably similar with the blobs where you know, every handle globe, there, there's always going to be some kind of uh, maybe slight variance in each bell. They're kind of yep. all unique. Um, totally. But, totally. Uh, but yeah, Joe, any, uh, any closing statements on inch dumbbells or anything for the listeners? Um, no, just get your hands on it. Have a go. If you need me, reach out. Anyone's welcome. But um, no, just, just have a go and build up slowly. Don't have your back. <laughs> okay well joe man hey i yeah. wish you uh i wish you the best luck on your uh future lifts and some of the future goals that you're chasing after and like i said we got some similar ones so um yeah i i i, I kind of know what you're chasing a little bit and you know what I mean? i'm kind of yeah. trying to do the same thing myself so yeah you're so, crazy uh, so uh yeah man best of luck for those future goals and thank you again for kind of uh recommending this style of a. Uh, filming and thank you for just taking the time and being one of the guests for this episode very very welcome and i am humbled to be considered for it mate so thanks again zach appreciate it all right man no problem all right talk soon all right everybody i have carl myersko with me um and with this being the inch dumbbell episode we're just going to be talking about the thomas inch dumbbell how are you doing today carl very well thank you sir all right so um your name is very uh popular in the grip world for all uh, a whole different you know assortment of feats whether it be grippers whether it's saxon axle 
you've done almost everything there is to be done in grip. And like we talked about in our episode, you're even thinking about things to give people headaches down the line in the future. You're thinking of, you know, kind of moving the bar even higher. Um, now with this kind of being a dedicated episode to the Thomas inch dumbbell, um, can you remember the first time that you kind of heard about it or you were made aware of it? Um, I think I, uh, heard about it after I did my first grip competition, the LA Fit Expo back in 2017. Um, some of the competitors there spoke about it. And then um, later that year, I went and did a training session at um, Oathaugen's gym, the training hall in Thousand Oaks in California. And so he has some inch dumbbells there. And then that was the first time I picked one up. Okay, so the very first time you ever tried it, was it, I mean, a piece of cake? Pretty easy? It wasn't a piece of cake, but I was able to do it okay. uh, right off the bat, yeah. All righty. And from that first time, I guess, you know, being introduced to it and um, kind of getting some lifts in with it, when did you get your own? Or what was that process like? I think I got mine in 2019. Um, yeah, I bought mine in 2019. I, I got it cause I wanted to clean it and, uh, it took me about four months to get the clean after I got it. Um, and then since then I kind of put it on the back burner, but what I use it for now or used it over the last three or four years for mostly is for doing wrist curls. And I'll talk about that because, you know, picking up the Millennium Dumbbell, which is much harder, I use my inch to sort of train for that. Mm-hmm. And um, so I'll, I'll perhaps explain why in a minute about that. But Okay. Yeah, it, it has a – most thick bar workouts that I do, I'll do some wrist curls with it, like standing wrist curls. That's kind of what I do with it now. Okay. Yeah, that, that makes sense. And – um you said it took you a few months to kind of nail the clean from when you got it. Yeah. About four months. I think. Okay. And, uh, when you cleaned it, did you just kind of like strict clean it or did you kind of have any swing to it? I, I'm not a hundred percent sure. Uh, no, I did it from flat, you know, okay. no till. I never do that. Did, did you feel like that was uh, easier for you to do it that way? Or you just felt like that was probably the stronger position? Um, I never pick it up with a tilt any which way because mm-hmm. I think I was probably influenced by Old Haugen when he first sort of said, well, proper don't pick it up with a tilt. That's not a, you know, a true deadlift. So, and I'd seen how Mark Henry did it, which mm-hmm. is, you know, both globes coming off at the same time. So that's just how I did it. But okay. I never experimented. Um, tilting it back to begin with and i know ben has sort of mastered the technique now and he's got a fabulously efficient clean technique which is much better than a, how i did it i'm sure <laughs> <laughs> well it, it's kind of funny that you mentioned that because i feel a little bit stronger with the uh both globes leaving the floor at the same time and kind of lifting it strict just because i do things kind of more that way and uh i was experimenting trying some tilt lifts with it 
and it just feels so hard for me. It just feels it's something that definitely I would take me some time to kind of practice and uh, kind of dial in mm-hmm. on. And I was talking to Ben about that and uh, trying to get some tips from him just with some lighter bells. I'm not, I'm not making a yeah, right I mean, the inch bell. It's uh, a tilt is controversial. It, it's I, if people want to lift it with a tilt, then so be it. You know, I, I think they're both difficult. It's a feat. It's just, and they're both lifts by definition of the inch dumbbell, but one is a lift and one is a one hand deadlift, you know, they're slightly different. Um, mm-hmm. For most people, my take is that the tilt is, it depends what you're doing it for. Like if somebody is competing in arm lifting and grip sport and they want to get stronger at a whole range of events is different than if you just sort of, your goal is to perform the feat of lifting the inch dumbbell. And so for me, you know, we already have V-bar lifts. If you pick it up with a tilt, it's more V-bar lifts and not really strengthening your wrist. And so the advantage to me of doing it is to strengthen your wrist to carry over to other events. Because whenever you do a two-hand event, you know, there is no tilt because you can't. So um, <laughs> that's, uh, that's how I look at it. But nothing's right or wrong, you know, each to their own. Yeah, I think that's a good point you're bringing up, though, kind of with, uh, I guess, the intentions behind it. You know, is it someone just trying to pull off a feet or are they looking for carryover into the axle or something like that where it's going to be a fixed position? So that stuff kind of, uh, yeah, that background information kind of matters. Um, So with kind of just talking about the clean and stuff like that, um, what would be some of your favorite lifts that you think you've probably pulled off with the uh, Thomas inch dumbbell? Because I think I've, I've seen you had like uh, one of your kids standing on top of it and you've lifted it with, you know, uh, yeah, a well, then, yeah that, that was fun. That was a good lift. Cause she, she was about 79 pounds at the time. Yeah. And um, not necessarily, you know, just sort of stood on it haphazardly, not necessarily in a way that's, ideal or helpful (laughs) so um, so yeah that was a good lift that was pretty hard Um, I've done like 10 reps one arm row without putting it down in the past but I haven't done that for years and mostly I think 12 reps risk standing risk curls is about my best I haven't seen anybody else doing that yet so okay and um, just just to make mention of it, because you're talking about getting into the wrist curls and kind of using the inch dumbbell as a tool or its application for that. Um, did mm-hmm. you want to touch on some of that? Yeah, yeah. I brought a little prop here. It's just okay. my uh, magnesium, but this bottle happens to be uh, almost exactly the dimensions of the handle. So I put a, a black line on here. Yeah. So what I would do with the inch dumbbell is I pick it up and then sort of start there and then curl it like this. Not a huge range of motion, like 10 reps, or then also you could do it this way in a fully pronated plane. And um, for me, that is like the secret to all thick bar lifts is having the ability to stop this unraveling here and so okay. by strengthening that motion any dumbbell lift any rolling handle lift any axle lift that is what 
you know, has enabled me to greatly improve. Okay. And um, um, yeah, keep, keep going, Carl. Yeah. Yeah. What I was going to say is the reason I put the line on there is um, just technique wise. So for most people, it depends why you can't lift it. <laughs> so if someone's not strong, and you've got to make sure you can pick up a 172-pound regular dumbbell. Because if you weren't strong enough to do that, even if you grip strong enough, obviously you're going to fail a lift. But for most people, the reason they fail is they go to pick it up, and, and this happens. Yeah. It rotates towards the thumb like that. So some people, beginners, they'll sometimes you'll see they'll go like this with the wrist which is a really bad idea because it basically then gives momentum to the rotation because you'll never keep it there and yeah. it'll like it'll rip right out of your hand. Um, so keeping your fingers under the handle is what allows you to lift it. As soon as this rotates and then the center of the weight is between your fingers, you drop it. So having that ability to, you want to keep this hand and forearm straight and push as hard as possible this way with this part of the hand and the fingers. And then the thumb, you squeeze in with the thumb, but only as much as it can clamp in that plane of motion. Because if you try to push with your thumb this way, it's going with the rotation and that's useless. So the thumb to me is not actually that important. It's it's all about pushing this way with the wrist and stopping that rotating backwards. Okay. Yeah, and I think that's like a, kind of a good little diagram there um, and just kind of explaining that for people. Now, if, uh, if we have somebody maybe say, they don't have to be a newer lifter, but if you had somebody that was having issues like that, and they couldn't lift the inch, the inch is kind of breaking their posture down. Um, do you have any, I guess maybe like quick tips or any like recommendations other than training with lighter stuff and kind of just progressing like any other lift? Is there anything yeah. that you think would help somebody? It depends what implements you have available to you to train with is going to affect your strategy to train for the feet. So ideal scenario, which very few people, you're one of them, but very few people have the opportunity to have a whole sequence of smaller inch dumbbells. And so that's the best situation because then you can, uh, you know, gradually progressively build up to it. Um, but if you don't have that, you can use a blue fat grip on a barbell um roughly going to need to be able to do about 180 185 pounds on a blue fat grip with one hand to lift the inch usually mm -hmm. um the, this is all i'm going to talk about level lifts here and then um if you only have the inch dumbbell itself then you would use other strategies so um, so let's say if you had a 125 dumbbell, that like mini inch, that would be ideal. And I would recommend people doing like four sets of eight or 10 wrist curls in their training. And so, as I said, pick the dumbbell up, rotate it, eight reps. And then if you can do that for yeah, about four sets of 10, you should be able to pick up the inch dumbbell. Um, if, uh, if you, only have an inch dumbbell then i would say 
um, the strategies would be to pick it up with two hands, so put hold it and put the other hand underneath, pick it up and then try and lower it with one. For uh, sets of about six, you probably want a crash mat underneath. Um, and then it, once you could do that and lower it with one, you could progress to putting your hand on the side and then two fingers and one finger and, um, you know, as best you can. But the most efficient way is to strengthen the wrist because, like I said, for most people, it's the unraveling that they can't stop is the problem. And so um, it's best done with a smaller dumbbell if you have it, but it can be done with a blue fat grip on a barbell or a dumbbell at a commercial gym. It's not exactly the same, but it's close enough that it'll aid in the process. Um, and that's that's about all you can do. Okay. And uh, we kind of mentioned, you know, a few feats there with the inch dumbbell itself. Now, you're one of the people that has, you know, one of the few people that has um, level lifted the Millennium dumbbell, mm-hmm. which would be a, a dumbbell, you know, probably what, about 50 pounds heavier? I'm hopefully I'm doing the math about right. Uh, maybe 50 or 60 pounds heavier. 60. Yeah. Like 58 okay. pounds heavier. Yeah. So with the, uh, with the millennium lift under your belt and having pulled that off. Um, and then, like you said, using the inch dumbbell almost at, you know, for wrist curls and rows and other things like that. There's a lot of people, it's just their main goal is to lift it. You're talking mm-hmm. about using it for like almost accessory lifts or lifts that are bringing up your baseline and, you know, carrying over into other things for competition. Um, do you have maybe any future sites? If there's something you don't want to spill the beans on, that's fine. But uh, is there any future um, things with the inch dumbbell or maybe the millennium bell? You know, we've talked about some past lifts. Is there anything in the future you're maybe looking at? Yeah, there's a few things. Um, hopefully, um going to be in a position to place an order with Nathan Hall uh, shortly for some new dumbbells. And so then I'll have two inch dumbbells, which will open up some possibilities for me to try some new things. And then uh, um, there's some feats I'd like to do with the Millennium. Um, Hopefully I'll be able to do that pretty soon after I get it. And then... Uh, I have quite a few things in mind, but um, yeah, you'll, you know, when they're ready, you'll see them. Okay. Yeah. No problem. Like I said, not, I'm not, not trying to pry too much info out, but had to ask. Um, so as you, as you mentioned there, like the things that I do with the inch dumbbell, like that's training for me to lift the millennium, but other people could do exactly that same strategy with like a 125 um, dumbbell to progress to picking up the inch you know it would proportionately work just the same yeah it would be just a matter of scaling it to that individual right whatever their weakness is or whatever you know whatever their level is so that absolutely makes sense um and and like i said we talked about it a little bit um before we were recording was you know you kind of being raised in england and being over there and you know that's where you know thomas inch is from as well i was just curious if you know, that was a name that you heard growing up or if that was introduced to you when you were, you know, younger and you were lifting weights, but you kind of mentioned that it it wasn't maybe that prominent. Um, yeah, I didn't know who he was or I didn't know what the inch dumbbell was until I did my first arm lifting competition or first grip competition in 2017. Mm-hmm. Um, so now, you know, since then, I've done quite a bit of research and I know who he is and 
what he did and whatnot. But uh, no, I didn't. I think he's better known in the US than he is in the UK, to be honest, at this point. Just okay. because there's more inch dumbbells around in the US. Um, but with Nathan Hall now producing them, it, that may change in the future. It's, it's, they're much more accessible than they ever were in the past. So it's changing a little bit. Yeah, it'll kind of be interesting, like you said, with more bells getting produced or more people kind of learning about it just to see what kind of lifts people can pull off and, you know, where people can kind of, uh, I guess, take the feats with the inch dumbbell. Because I, mm-hmm. there's so many people that I think that could lift it or could do certain things if they had more access to it or they were, or they were made aware mm-hmm. of it. But it's just like anything else, it, it takes time. Just like you were saying, you you didn't even really know what it was until – about 2017 or whatever you whatever you said 2018 whatever whatever time frame that was and uh yeah. you know then you see where you're at with it and the things that you've been able to pull off with it you wonder i mean obviously you're at a very high level you kind of wonder if there's other guys like that kind of lurking around that haven't had access to it or maybe they're gonna pop up there's some other you know it's just kind of interesting to me to see the more hands it gets into to kind of see where the evolution of it goes yeah, I think uh, as a feat, like it's, it's, uh, it's an incredibly difficult feat for people of average size hands, mm-hmm. and then for people with extraordinarily long fingers and huge wrap, it's much less of a feat. So if you, you know, the, there's a in America we have these fit expos. You take a dumbbell along, it's sort of you artificially mass together a lot of people at a small area that have a pretty good chance of doing it because they're, they're not representative representative of the average population mm-hmm. so anybody that can walk along at a fit expo and just you know with a backpacker on bend down and pick up an inch dumbbell cold is they're capable of much much more straight away because yeah. if they were warmed up and ready they, you have to be able to pick up a, a 190 or a 200 pound dumbbell to do that if you can if you can just walk over and pick it up cold at a fit, fit expo without ever having seen it you you're capable already of much much more than that yeah and we've seen yeah. we've seen that now quite a few times now when kind of just talking about other people um, lifting inch dumbbells or inch style dumbbells, we mentioned your feats, mentioned some possible future things. Um, Do you have any lifts that other people have pulled off that have impressed you? Maybe just, I guess, noteworthy lifts that you've seen other people do that kind of stand out to you. With the, with the inch dumbbell? Yeah, yeah, inch, inch dumbbell, or it, it could technically be bells higher than the inch, but it, at least at, like, the inch dumbbell level. Um, Well, Ben Helms, clean and press is remarkable. You know, full credit to him. He, uh, he found a way, he found a perfect technique. He modeled it to his abilities and attributes and executed it and he's sort of mastered it and that's fabulous to see and you know i applaud him um uh joe joseph hudson in australia is mm-hmm. phenomenally good with dumbbells for his body weight like he's picking up dumbbells that people 
at his size, you know, shouldn't be able to pick up. <laughs> now, <laughs> I, I don't exactly see eye to eye with him necessarily on the techniques of how he does it and, and whatnot, but, you know, full credit to him because he, to pick up the Millennium Dumbbell, tilted or not tilted, is not easy. And to do it at his side in size is incredible. Absolutely amazing. So hats off to him too. Um, Lane Snook in the past, you know, he's obviously mm-hmm. the guy that's done, uh, he's cleaned the inch and he's picked up the two Millennium Dumbbells. Um, so obviously, a, you know, one of the best uh, inch dumbbell lifters in history. And uh, Mark Henry's clean and press was obviously awesome. Um Ode is Ode Haugen, it's 67 or 65 reps or whatever he did on mm-hmm. his birthday. That takes some doing. That's, uh, yeah. I've never attempted to do reps like that, but I imagine that it gets immensely painful <laughs> at a certain point. That's You've got to be able to do pretty much uh, have mastery over it to do something like that. So, um, but yeah, what the, when I get my second inch dumbbell, one of the things I don't, you know, I'll say one of the things I want to do is go to the uh, football stadium where I work and uh, see how far I can carry it down the field. Like ideally, okay, yeah. uh, ideally one in either hand, like see if I can f- carry it the full length of the football field is the the okay. goal. And if we're talking a hundred yards, we're talking three hundred feet, mm-hmm. right? Okay, so yeah, I mean being a former football player, you know, I, mean, I didn't play at some high level or anything, but I, I played football. So um, yeah, if, if you were to farmers walk that a uh, hundred yards, that would be the longest um, I've ever heard of anybody carrying it. I want to say the longest farmers walk that that is coming to mind was maybe around 120 feet by somebody, 120, 130 feet. Maybe? Yeah. I mean, they've had it at the Arnold where they walked in a square around yeah. the stage, but not, not in the last three or four years since I've had the a chance to do it. Yeah. Um, so it wouldn't be any kind of official record. Obviously, it's easier to walk it in a straight line than having mm-hmm. to turn corners. But I think it would be a pretty cool feat. So that's one of the things I'm, I've got my eye on for uh, hopefully next year and have a go at that. Okay. Well, yeah, I, I definitely wish you the best with the order. And I, I can't wait till you get the bells. I know you were talking about some of the – some of the bells I have in my collection that I've kind of picked up over the last few years, but uh, I, I want to see you get some different bells, different increments. So we can kind of see some different stuff from you like that, where you can kind of farmers walk and just, j- just see where it ends up, you know, because I, I think that's super interesting. It's interesting to me at least. And I think if anybody considers themselves uh, a fan of these, you know, thick handled dumbbells and stuff like that, they're, they're going to absolutely love it when you get to farmers walk two of them and just see what happens. Um I think that's something that the community would really enjoy. So um, I definitely wish you the best of luck for that feat and any other feats that you have, maybe that you haven't mentioned, but I I definitely wish you the best in training for those. Um, Now, another question I've asked everybody um, for the most part was, you know, the inch dumbbell relatively pretty simple design, but kind of presents a unique challenge. Um, to you, what makes the uh, inch dumbbell so special or what makes it, I guess, such a valuable training tool? Um, 
it's just a unique thing unto itself. Like it has its own presence. <laughs> you see it there in the corner. Your eye is drawn to it, you know, because you don't, <laughs> you're not going to see one at 24 hour fitness. You know, it's, uh, it, it's challenge is, um, daunting and for the most part for the most of the time you know if it's in the way i just kick it around with my foot and don't even attempt to pick the thing up you know i have to be uh fresh and in the mood and warmed up and uh you know it's uh it's quite a heavy lump of metal there but um yeah, it has history you know people have been able to lift it now that we've got so many replicas in circulation and available to buy as more and more people have the opportunity to try it we can compare and contrast and you know see it's just something that's it's becoming more measurable uh, and less of a mythological in a way you know because it's for most people while they never get the chance to try in the past and now as more more people can try it's uh it's interesting to see what we can do compared to others i guess okay i think that's an interesting point you brought up i don't think anybody said that yet you know kind of uh with the different people lifting it and the different stuff happening you know you kind of have more uh more data to pull from and you can kind of right. you can kind of scale things and you have better reference you know where everything stands so um very very interesting point there um so overall um like i said i think that was for the most part that probably covers a decent portion of it um is there anything you'd like to add in regards to the inch dumbbell or uh maybe anything that we didn't touch on is there just anything maybe like a closing statement or anything to add carl or do you feel pretty good with everything um Nothing's just coming to mind. I would encourage anybody that uh, realistically like thinks they have a chance of lifting it and um, or can lift it to get one. It's I've found it to be useful. It doesn't just sit collecting dust. Like it, it is a helpful thing to have um, if you're serious about grip. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I don't know what the future holds. As, as there's more dumbbells available and heavier dumbbells and more people have them, it may become even more important to me. <laughs> um, now yeah. there's starting to have contests that are featuring dumbbell lifts. So. Because dumbbells and rolling handles are not exactly the same. Like The rolling handles were, in theory, invented to help you practice for the inch dumbbell, but it's a poor substitute it doesn't quite test the same things and the weights mm -hmm. don't match up and the technique doesn't match up um so yeah if you can if you can get a range of dumbbells like you like 100 or 125 or 150 or 172 i would highly recommend that because uh you know send uh send nathan hall uh an email or hit him up on uh, Instagram and uh, <laughs> go for it. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't, I don't think, I think, I think you would agree with me on this one. Um, anybody that owns an inch dumbbell or anybody that has access to multiple inch dumbbells. Um, I, I don't think if you're a grip person, I don't think anybody's ever regretted it. Right. No one's ever, you know, had the tool or had the access to it and been like, man, really wasn't that useful. <laughs> like, 
you know, everybody yeah. pretty much has uh, has found a really good use, really good carryover. And almost anyone you talk to will kind of share that same, uh, that same idea or that same thought. So um, yeah, with, with that yeah. being said, Carl, um, uh, I, I thank you again for uh, stopping by with the grip show here and uh, just, giving us some of your thoughts, giving us some of your techniques, giving us some of the training ideas and uh, just talking about the inch dumbbell in general. Um, Thanks for doing that. Yeah. Thank you for having me. No problem, Carl. Anytime. All right. Thank you. Yep. So, Hey, we're talking about the uh, Thomas inch dumbbell. And for this episode, like I said, we're just paying a little bit of tribute to the inch dumbbell. We can talk about other bells and other things like that, but, uh, I was just curious about uh first time you heard of one or the first time you heard about the inch itself well it was it was really early on you know event at some point in early like 2003 or something like that maybe 2004 i picked up the the two main books by john brookfield the blue um the grip master's manual and uh mastery of hand strength mm-hmm. and I, i'm sure in one of those he was talking about it and uh, you know along the lines i i know that rick walker was posting about it on drsquat.com so back it was a long time ago but something like that was probably the origin of me figuring out what an inch dumbbell was okay and i know that like you had a you you're already lifting weights you know what i mean it wasn't like yeah. grip or anything was the first thing you did you know you're doing strongman stuff as well um is that what kind of intrigued you for that challenge? Was it you were already involved in strength, you know, sports and stuff like that? It, I think I understood that it was a well-known and renowned challenge from the Brookfield books, but I think it was Rick Walker's writings and how he was training so hard to lift it and how nobody could lift this thing that really got me interested in it. Okay. And so then... it, was, it, it was it was really – it was a lucky thing that he was posting on that forum. It was a lucky thing that he was in Pennsylvania and ran a contest real early on in the, in this period of time when I found out about grip. Okay. And then, so this is you first, I mean, just hearing about it, you're seeing these writings. Yeah. When, you know, how, how long after that do you actually get hands on it? And kind of get to September of 2003 when he had battle for grip supremacy. We went to that contest and uh, he actually, he had put up a, like a bounty. Like if anybody cleans it, they can take it home with them. Oh, and this, this dude yeah. named John Menino, I know I watched him like walk from his car, say, where's that inch dumbbell and walk over and he lifted it. Now people told me that he almost cleaned it. I don't know if that's true or not. I know when when I looked, it was kind of a flash. I didn't know what was going on, and we were just kind of talking. And, like, the inch came up, and I saw him come down. So I don't yeah. know if he was trying to do, like, a deep squat clean with it or mm-hmm. if he kind of high-pulled it and tried to get under I I don't know. But, you know, I, I'm sure I went over there and tried it, but it didn't go anywhere. Nowhere. Yeah that's similar to my first time touching one. That's what I've been telling people. Um, when they ask me, I, I don't have that story where I like casually walk over and just pick it up and like, yeah. whatever it, it was, it was glued, uh, glued to the ground and took me some time. Um, so that would have been 
about well a little over 20 years ago yeah and uh when did you i guess uh, I, before i even go to that i'll say what did you do to kind of train for one before you had one so one of the first implements we got was a rolling thunder because that was marketed as being the best tool for training and probably at the time it was because there were like no tools for training the inch but it was the original style of rolling thunder which was barely rolled and the one even the ones they make today really don't roll that well and the pull height is so short i i realized really really quickly that there were better ways to train it mm-hmm. so what i did is i went to the the hardware store and i got a length of pvc pipe and i think it's 1.5 inch if anybody wants to build this because the outside diameter of the pipe is 1.9 so i think if you buy i think it's 1.5 that you buy and what i did is i got a roll or two of duct tape and i found the actual center and i put the center of the duct tape around and i would i would wrap it around like five times then i would go up the other side wrap it five times and to the other side five times so i kept it perfect because rick was saying yeah i tried that and the the duct tape's all squishy it's not gonna work i was like well if you squeeze a roll of duct tape it's pretty damn solid (laughs) so i think what he did is he kind of had a handle that he went all the way around and it was all messy and yeah i can see that having air in it and being squishy and stuff like that mine was uniform and i probably wrapped it slightly thicker than the inch dumbbell and i you know when i was done like this took me i did it while i was watching raw and i think it took me two shows to really get it perfect how i wanted it and i ripped them off they were all in a straight line the edges of the tape like it was it was really good quality and i took my time with it and i trained on that for Well, I trained, I trained on it from like September till April or March, March, because we went to the Arnold in 2004. We stopped at Rick's house the night before and we had day of strength because after the Arnold atomic athletic was going to do night of strength and there was going to be a gathering and we were all going to do this big training session. So day of strength was like a four hour training session in Rick's garage. And I, I tried the inch that day. And I actually got it off the ground a little bit. So the training with the with that PVC handle was effective for improving my, my grip strength enough to at least take it from spinning on the floor to popping off the ground a little bit. Okay. And with the PVC pipe, were you basically loading plates onto the pipe itself? Yeah, exactly. Then, yeah. Quarters. Yeah. I, w- I would do, um, for the longest time, it was two quarters on each side. Then, uh, you know, dimes. And then uh, I would use the collars wouldn't work because, like I said, it was 1.9. So none of the collars would stay tight. So I was using wrist wraps. And to this day, that's still what I do on, like, a pipe that's too thin for collars is I just take a wrist wrap, wrap around there, pinch it again, wrap it, wrap it, and it's tight and those weights aren't going anywhere. Yeah. Um, I will tell you, if you drop that, from too high it's going to break the pipe 
because I ended up breaking one and I, I had to build another one. So you got to be careful because the, the pipe's flexible, but if you drop it from too high, it's going to break. Yeah. And then I would say even with that, um, it's kind of like, uh, well, like methods you've talked about in the past, like maybe lifting off a cushion or something. If it's something that's already out of reach, I mean, you could very easily, you know, lift it on a cushion or a pad or something to give a boost and then also, sure. you know, stop it from breaking. If anybody wanted to to train that and the inch and is out of did reach. Things like that once I bought the inch. So eventually Rick had something happen in his life and he ended up getting rid of uh, his inch dumbbell. So I bought that from him in November of 2004. And uh, eventually I bought all of his equipment and that's what I started my home gym with. But um, yeah. I got the inch in 2004 and that's when I I went from, you know, breaking, breaking it off the ground an inch to lifting it because I had it to train with. Yeah. So it made a, it made a huge difference. So I was incorporating those different methods that I basically learned from West side barbell with uh, what Louie would call the future method where they would add bands, but the bands attached to the cage above you. So I would, I would use many different methods in order to boost it up or assist it up, try to hold it, uh, things along those lines. And that time under tension with the inch of my hand, it, it was, it was two months. I, I got it in November and by January I was lifting it. Okay. Now, are you ready to make some people mad? Yeah when you got that inch dumbbell, how much did it cost? Um, I want to say like 250 or 260 bucks. Okay. And uh, yeah, I just, with the, the way prices are, and I guess like the rarity of them these days, um, if somebody was to see that listed for like 250 bucks or something, they'd lose their mind. It'd probably be gone well, in seconds. That's not even the cheapest one I got. I got one yeah. off eBay for 220. <laughs> <laughs> like, like less than a year after that. So I had to yeah. go to Jersey to get it. But yeah, the first two inches I got, I, I spent like less than $500. <laughs> okay. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> so with, uh, with those, do you remember which brands those were? Was that like the Sorenex bell? And yeah, uh, the, Rick's is definitely a Sorenex. I can, because it says Sorenex on yeah. it. And then I'm assuming the second one was Iron Mind because right. it wasn't marked. Now, if it, I don't know because the the postman that I bought it from, he didn't he didn't really confirm. I recall where that came from. There is a chance, I suppose, that it's a in a Damsky inch, Jason Adamski. But I think yeah. the timeline lines up better that it would be uh, an Iron Mind. And well, just for I, I guess for what it's worth on this, um, Ben has one of the. Uh, Adamski inches or whatever, or Adamski, however people want to say it. And I've lifted, I've lifted two different ones of those. And then when I was up at nationals and lifted yours, I, I, I would say it's probably Iron Mind. Okay. Just, just because it seems a little bit different from yeah. the other two that I've had hands on. Yeah. So I would say you're probably right on. I can tell you there's that. a world of difference between that sore neck handle and, and the Iron Mind. Yeah. Uh, the Iron Mind is actually a little bit thicker. And it's smooth as glass. It will not take chalk. There's like a couple spots where chalk stays on there. The rest of it rubs right off immediately. So you got these good deals. You got some inch dumbbells in your collection. Um, It starts becoming a regular lift for you. What, I guess as things evolve, 
I know you're doing combo lifts, you're doing different stuff like that. What are some of your um, favorite lifts that you pulled off that include the inch dumbbell? Well, um, one of my favorites was the, the, the blob inch project. So we did a spoof video of the Blair witch project and I did a lift with uh, the inch in one hand and the blob in the other hand. And we, we took the cameras and we went down to the basement of the gym. We were working out. It was, it was awesome. The video is up on YouTube. Uh, but I've done a few other things. So I, after a while, see, and I got to tell you, man, from like 05 to 2013, I don't remember much about inch dumbbell training except for like stress and despair because I didn't improve much because it, all I needed to do was like lift it in a medley. So it didn't really become a goal of really advancing. And then once Luke started training with me, it kind of really kicked my training into another gear. I was more motivated. Maybe there were lists or something online that I was chasing or something. I'm not sure, but something around 2013 really kicked me into motion. And that's when I started doing, um, you know, more blob feats, uh, inch plus uh, 245s. You know, every new block weight I would get, I would go inch plus the block weight. I worked up to um, inch dumbbell in one hand and then a clean with blobzilla in the other. Um, I did, I did inch in one hand plus, oh, I started out with blob in one hand and then I flipped my 95 pound kettlebell and caught it. And I did inch in one hand and flipped the, uh, kettlebell as well. But that one, like the tension was really weird and the dumbbell ended up behind me and it's kind of sitting on my legs. So that's one of the feats that I'd like to redo that a bit more cleanly, um, but when it's behind you like that and you're like messing around with other stuff, sometimes it's really hard, but I've also graduated up to the, the 200 pound Selene with like old school Yorks in the other hand, uh, my, the Luke's 200 pound anvil, uh, as a combination as well. So, so there's been a few things that like really end up being very, very heavy. The, the 200 inch and the 200 anvil that that's pretty tough uh just tough on your body picking up picking up that much weight because you have to time everything just right uh like for instance when you pick up an inch dumbbell and then pick up a rolling handle you have to pick the inch up like 10 inches then grab the handle and lift that up and it's it's kind of a pause in the middle yeah uh did the the blob series with the inch dumbbell in the other hand uh there, oh, um, and there was also something that Yuha Haru came up with back in like 2014 or 15 called Feet of the Year. And really, he might be the guy that kind of pushed me towards all the different combinations because he was doing a lot of combinations. The reason that he did them, he did the combinations in a certain way because he had like a thick bar hand and a pinch hand. Mm-hmm. So he would he would he got really good at doing an inch in one hand and then some kind of pinching feet in the other. But I tried to do it so that I could do it both ways. And we eventually came up with a feat. I think it was you and I that was talking about it, calling it both ways, where you would do the combination. And then within a minute's time, you would rotate the stuff around and do it uh, with the opposite hand combination. So, 
But Yuha brought up the feat of the year, which was inch in one hand and then a number four silver bullet in the other hand. And that was really tough because you'd have to set the silver bullet, uh, you know, bite down on it, then grab the inch and pick it up. And I remember getting, you know, I had so many near misses. I, I remember straining or or developing some kind of tendonitis in my in my lats. And I thought I tore a labrum, a labrum. Like I couldn't deadlift. I couldn't pull stuff off the floor. It was incredible pain. I'm like, too I got to stop. I can't, I can't keep doing this, dude. I, I was like, I think I tore my labrum. He's like, oh, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> Tremendous pain. Lift anyway. So I just kept on doing it. Um, but, uh, yeah, those are some of the combination feats. I don't know if you remember any of the other ones, but if you can come up with it, I probably did it. Yeah, no, you've, you've done a ton of combos. One thing I was going to mention, you're talking about, you know, the different pick heights there for these combination feats. Um, you're talking about lifting 45s with the inch dumbbell and you made the mention that it was the old school Yorks. This isn't any pair of 45s, right? This is, I mean, super, super wide, deep dish, extremely hard plates to pick up. Yeah. And not only are the plates, you know, extremely hard, you know, to get for anybody to break them off the ground and, and do a full lift with them, but you're lifting the inch dumbbell essentially at a deficit off the floor. Yeah. You're kind of getting that running start and then you're almost having to stop and then try to break those plates off the ground, keep them together because they don't line up so well. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that that's um, worth mentioning when it comes to saying, you know, oh, uh, inch dumbbell and 45s. It's mm-hmm. like, it's a different different type of 40, you know, different type of 45. And I think that's just worth mentioning there. Yeah, um, I think. So I was doing the inch plus 45s for like a couple of years. And then I, I finally did the double old school Yorks and, 2016 so inch plus the old school yorks it would have been after 2016 because that's where i reached a level of mastery where i could do the old school yorks just about any time i wanted to and i i know i've done the the 200 with the old school yorks yeah so um well you've done like your your 200 pound bell with the uh like blobzilla sure and and and, and stuff like that as well um to add there um, so I guess with naming some of the feats that are kind of your favorite or just different stuff that you've knocked off your list, um, I've kind of asked this to some other people as well. It's the inch dumbbell is kind of such a simple design, but there's almost so much to it. And it actually is really kind of advanced, even though it's very basic. Yeah. Um, what is it to you that makes the inch dumbbell so special? Well, there's first off, it's not, it's not like a lot of the grip lifts where you're only picking up 45 or 50 pounds it's it's like 168 to 178 pounds so you got to be strong enough to pick that up that amount of weight up and a lot of people just aren't the other thing is once you once you have a lot of time under your belt with the inch you you start to find out that there's a great deal of technique involved and you're not just smushing your hand down on the inch to pick it up. There's there's ways to optimize your grip on the inch in order to lift it. And I, I figured that out, but I also figured out that when I was doing certain types of training along with inch dumbbell lifting, 
So maybe there was a contest coming up and I had to put a lot of emphasis on pinching, like during the time where I was chasing the world record in the two hand zero pinch, then my thumbs were often very beaten up. Both the skin would be torn up, but also the joints would be inflamed. So I found that I could not rely on just pinching the inch because what Rick and I talked about very early on is that my strength was not in my fingers and wrists, but my thumb, being able to use my thumb as a break to stop the rotation of the inch. And when my when I was doing all that really heated pinching work during those periods, I would have to do more wrist, activate more wrist on the inch, and really clamp down like an eagle is clamping on a a fish in the river when it's when it's swooping down to grab dinner so i i had to envision like putting indentations in the inch dumbbell with my fingers and that was that that was something that was like a breakthrough to almost increase my performance anytime i lifted it because i became more aware of what i was doing and the the activation level changed so i think that was really big all right. And you know, another thing I just thought about was we're mentioning some of these feats. Um, you've cleaned the inch dumbbell. <laughs> so yeah. like we were talking about all these combos, we kind of got caught up with that. Um, at one point in time, you were the lightest guy to clean the inch dumbbell and there wasn't anybody even like remotely close to your body weight that had cleaned it. Um, right. So that would be another thing to kind of add there. And with kind of making mention of these training methods and things you discovered along the way, the combo feats, the the inch cleans and stuff like that. Um, that's kind of stuff that's in the past or things that you can pretty much pull off any day now. Yeah. Um, do you have any future goals for the inch dumbbell? Things well, I want to I want to clean and press the damn thing. I I want to do a legit clean and a push press, just like Ben mm-hmm. Helms has done six million times now. Uh, <laughs> the the problem is, I I honestly believe. One of the things that's holding me back is my chest is so tight and my hips are so tight that I am actually restricted on like the, the upper portion of the lift. Like something is going on. Like the strength is there. My, I looked at my numbers, my numbers on these, the certain rolling handle lifts that I found to be key. I've, I haven't lost any strength, but there's something going on with my body where I can't, manage to get the flip right and get it in a position where I can do more with it. And of course my left hand is completely fucked. Like I can't, I, I, I can't even really train with my left hand on the inch dumbbell too often because it's, it's hurt so bad. But um, even with my right hand, I, I can just tell my, like I end up in a folded over, like, oh, like half fetal position. So I'm trying to clean it with a forward body posture, and that's it's virtually impossible because, you know, for a while the inch is weightless, you know, mm-hmm. like you can do whatever you want to with your body, but then all of a sudden it's like it's going to come crashing down because my body is in a position where I can't support it, I can't sustain it. So I've been working overtime on stretching my my hips and trying to get back into a better um, – I forget what you call it, almost like the medical position where, you know, you can open up better 
Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that's that's like what's mainly holding me back from getting a good solid clean again, especially right-handed. So um, that and I'm just being a pussy on the on the push press training. So, <laughs> but yeah, I want to do that. And dude, I would like to be the first one to snatch it too. Like I've thought about that for years. I know Ben has done some training on that and some analysis, which I thought was really impressive. And he's got a good, good mind about him for analyzing these lifts. And that's something that you really need to do to get good at, um, at this kind of stuff. So, you know, those, those are down the line and hopefully not too far, but all these frigging contests that are coming up, man, it just impedes my progress. Cause then I'm like, well, now I got to split time between these, 12 events so uh you know it's uh but it's all coming in the future okay i got one other uh question for you here on these uh feats now i know you've lifted the blob father which is a half 140 legacy have you ever done a bell lift with it uh so I remember lift- oh, i'd have okay. to look i'm okay. not sure i, I think sure. i have and in, yeah. in fact i think i did it this year because at the beginning of this year my uh block weights were were on brother they were on so i hadn't tried the 140 in a long time and one day i was like i'm gonna give this a try and it came right up uh and i think i went ahead and did a combo lift inch and blobfather uh, but i i can't swear to it okay i wasn't sure yeah if you hadn't done that one i was gonna mention it but if i haven't then um after napalm nightmare world championships i'll give it a try i i'm sure i can do it as long as yeah. uh my left hand will cooperate for the inch i know i won't be able to pinch it left-handed it would okay. have to be uh blobfather right-handed gotcha i can lift the inch left-handed it's it's no problem but the dynamic loading I, i'm just earning so many days afterwards i can't i can't train the clean right now gotcha um so i guess with most of that being said uh do you have anything else to mention maybe on the inch dumbbell um i guess the history of it anything about your journey with training it anything that we haven't touched on is there anything else you can kind of think of nothing along the lines of like the history and stuff like that that i would say but like people i i just want to put like a, a a public service announcement out like stop buying shot loadable hollow inch bells and thinking that's going to get you to the inch it's not it's mm-hmm. not i i i i don't even think that baby inches work for working up to the inch unless you modify them and like don't buy offset handles you don't need an offset handle i've never trained for longer than a month on an offset handle i know in the inch dvd that i have I said that I was going to start selling what was called the dock bar, which is an offset handle for inch training. And I was just like, why people don't need this. And I never, I never went forward with that project. Like the prototypes were ready up to this one place in, uh, in Y Sox that I partnered with, but eventually mm-hmm. I got with Luke and he started making stuff and it was, I think he sells them. He probably sells like 150 of them a day, but like, you don't need that shit. All you need is a plate loadable handle with like mm-hmm. a two and three eighths to two and a half inch um, gripping surface and make sure your, your wrist and forearm don't brace against the inside plates. Like that's what I see all the time is people putting up videos where they have like a, either a homemade implement or uh, a nice quality uh, loadable thick bar 
but they're bracing the plates against their arm. And this isn't a bracing tangent. That's not what I'm saying. I'm talking about effective training. So like when there's contact between the plates and your arm, that is stopping the rotation. And there's already less rotation on the, on the loadable handle as it is because the plates, unless you wedge them in there or somehow, you know, use a device to tighten them up, they're going to roll a little bit. The plates are going to roll, you know, individual from the handle. So just make sure you're not bracing grip in the center. And when I was doing it, I was only lifting this dumbbell to about knee height. And that was a, that was a one, that was a rep for me. If I were keeping a training book back then, um, once you go past your knee, then you run the risk of it hitting your thighs, your, your legs, something like that. And then it screws it up again. So I just, I just trained to lift it to my knee and I was always progressing. And the most I ever got on that, if I remember correctly, was either 160 added or 165 added. That's the most I ever did on that. So, um, you know, I think, I think people get shiny object syndrome and like, oh, I got to buy something else. And you don't need to buy anything else. Get an inch or get a shot loadable, uh, plate loadable. Let me say that over again. I'm sorry. Get either an inch or a plate loadable thick handle dumbbell that is either two and three eighths or two and a half inches. That is all you need. Or sit there while you're watching TV and make one out of a PVC PVC pipe, just like I did. That is all you need. Okay. Yeah. And that stuff that is uh, very affordable too. Very, absolutely. very, very absolutely. easy, affordable, homemade stuff for anybody that's, um, I, I know obviously getting the bells is probably the best thing because that's the thing you're trying to lift. But if we're talking alternative things, yes. glad that you're putting this info out there for all the listeners and just and kind dude, of people know. write me all the time because I sell inch dumbbells and they want to know, they, they write me, they ask me if I sell baby inches. I'm like, we don't sell baby inches. You can get them, but I don't think you need one. Go get a plate loadable, thick handled dumbbell, and you will be all fine. And, dude, I've lost plenty of sales on inch dumbbells. I don't care because I would rather see them get something that's going to work to help them build the strength to lift the inch than have them buy the inch, not be able to lift it, and then quit because there's been too many people that have given up too early and they, you know, some people are, I needed from the moment I found out about it, I needed like two years of training. Um, at the very least from the time I touched it, I needed one year, about a year and a half. So it takes time, but you know, you got, you got, you got to get one of those handles. Don't buy that other stuff. It's, it's not going to work. The sh- and the reason the shot loadable doesn't work is because the shot sits in the bottom of those globes and it does not rotate. So it just it's just a linear lift and it's very deceiving. And I know that there's been people where they lift 170 on a shot loadable dumbbell and they go try the inch and it does not even come off the ground. Yeah. And, and if you were going to go the shot loadable route, you would have to either like offset it heavy on the thumb side with some like uh 
magnets or straps and like you really hang some weight heavy to create some kind of rotation yeah. because yeah like you're saying it's pretty much a, a it, dead, it can a dead work but you'd have to modify it yeah. i just for 50 dollars probably you can buy one of those handles for 15 dollars yeah. you can build one of those handles so yeah and then most of these shot loadable products from these companies are like buying the inch itself anyway sure yeah i mean they're they're 500 or something you know there's yep. i mean there might be some cheaper ones out there but they get pretty pricey. Yeah. Just, just to have something that really doesn't benefit you as much in training as yeah. I guess one would think. Um, Dude, I, I listen, I, I appreciate everyone's support. They want to buy stuff from me and all that stuff. It helps me out all that jazz, but I would much rather see money be put towards stuff that actually works than something that's just going to disappoint them or lengthen the road in the long yeah. run. No, it totally makes sense. And, uh, with that, is that is that pretty much cover everything you have for the inch dumbbell today, Jed? Yeah, or... I think so, brother. I appreciate it. It was fun, always, always fun talking yeah. to you. Talking about grip is uh, very uh, a passion of mine, a passion of mine. So I appreciate the invite. Oh, like I said, I mean, with some of the combos you've done and everything else, and just the time in the game, um, just wanted to have you on with the rest of the lineup and everybody, just to uh, give your two cents. Yeah, whether, it be, whether the, it be training or whatever. Yes, absolutely. And the last thing I'll say is I'll just remind everybody to subscribe, hit the thumbs up button, and share it with your friends. Okay. Yeah. Thank you for that, Jen. Absolutely. Ben, so hey, we're talking about the uh Thomas Inch dumbbell and talking to a bunch of different people, you know, so far. Um other big lifters, other people that have pulled off a lot of big feats with the inch dumbbell. Now, this one's gonna be a little bit different. Because some of the other guys I didn't know, you know, they've they've been in the game a little longer. Um, you're a little newer to grip. So I kind of know some of these details, but not all the listeners know all the details. So I guess if you could start off by maybe letting everybody know when was the first time that you kind of uh had the inch dumbbell enter your radar? You know, did you see something online or watching some strongman stuff or, or something, you know, like when was that? Um, to be honest, I cannot remember the first time I like knew about the inch dumbbell, but the first time I touched an inch dumbbell was at the super series with you when you brought yours, uh, June of 2022. So that was the first time I was ever able to touch an inch dumbbell, but I've known about the inch dumbbell probably since high school. I can't remember how I'd, heard about it it was probably something on tv gotcha and then for anybody that doesn't know like i said i know some of the details because like i said it was my inch dumbbell that i brought uh brought up there but you lifted it the first time yeah Hilton. And yeah so you lifted it the first time and then the first time you tried it and then even then you had this idea that uh i'm gonna clean it yeah right um mm-hmm. Was that because you had seen other people clean it or you knew that was a feat or was it just because you lifted it and you're like, well, if I lifted it, I can one up this somehow. I knew the story of the inch dumbbell Mm -hmm. uh, and how Thomas inch would clean it every show he went to displaying his strength. And I thought, you know, if this guy can do it because the dude did not look like he could clean an inch dumbbell or the inch dumbbell. So once I was able to pick it up and it moved pretty easily i was like well yeah i'm gonna try and clean this thing and uh, a couple months went by after that comp and uh i placed an order 
for my own inch dumbbell. And that's when the training started. So I think it was maybe three months later when I finally got mm-hmm. my inch dumbbell and yeah. I started working my way. And uh, one thing I would add on that is we're speaking about, you know, Thomas inch, which was the reason that it's named, you know, it's named after him. And that is part of his traveling act or that was part of his thing. But there's a lot of people that don't believe that he even lifted it himself, let alone cleaned it. Um, that's a, that can be up for debate with whoever. And I guess historians can battle over that stuff. But yeah, there's a lot of people that are all in that, uh, he, you know, he was legit all the way. He did what he said he did. And then there's other people that are like, he was swapping out other bells that were lighter and other things. And I, it, there's a lot of stuff there that I'm not even, I, you know, I'm not some expert on it. So um, yeah, the only video I've seen was with, it looked like a shot loaded dumbbell. It, the gloves were way bigger yeah. and it was a continental clean impress. Yeah, the only yeah. time I've seen the original Thomas inch dumbbell with him is just a picture of him holding it like that mm-hmm. never seen him press it or anything. And just him having a picture holding it like this doesn't mean he cleaned it. He could have just pulled it with two hands to his shoulder for a picture. So yeah, it's, I like to believe that he did, but it's tough to say, man. Yeah. But that's just something I figured I'd, I'd mention for any listeners. Cause you know, we often hear these stories or these uh, legends and you kind of just take them for, you know, if everybody's on board with it, if everybody says it, it has to be true. And there has been a lot of opposition with people um, kind of, I guess just saying the opposite, you know, saying that maybe it was that that wasn't the case, you know, having to perform mm-hmm. all the time and doing all this stuff, you know, maybe there was some more stuff to it. Um, so you start training for the cleans. Um, that's something that you really honed your technique in on. You really kind of started mastering the inch dumbbell clean and yeah. uh at first, I had no technique at all. I had no idea what I was doing. Yeah. So I would just try and do high pulls with it. And I thought to myself, you know, I just need to get stronger doing a high pull. If I can get the high pull high enough, then I just get under it. And I I guess I got to a point where I hit a plateau and I was like, all right, I need to figure something else out. And that's when I started analyzing Jed Johnson's cleans. That's where the swing was introduced he had his his swings, so he doesn't drag the bell as far as I do. His, his He drags it maybe an inch or two and then goes straight into the tilt. So Jed's cleans, in my opinion, are way more impressive than mine because he's putting more power behind his to get under that. Me, I have a lot of momentum following mine. So mine's got a little bit more of a style, and uh, his is more just brute strength. Okay. So give some credit to Jed for that. So he's responsible for me finding my own technique. Yeah. And uh, that's something else that's been mentioned um, that, that I'd like to at least go into detail with you about a little bit. Um, I've heard this from so many other lifters as well uh, within grip, at least one of the things that everybody praises you for or takes note of is your ability to break down lifts into different sections, analyze each aspect of the lift and stuff like that. Um, I, I, I guess, where does that come from? You know, as a college. Okay. Yeah. I have a uh, bachelor's degree in kinesiology. So that's studying how the body moves and 
different planes of motion and all that stuff. So that was kind of something that's just been embedded into my head and I translated it over to uh, weightlifting. Yeah. All the the fun stuff. Yeah. (laughs) So um, that that was just something I would bring up because that was one of the things that, like you said, you know, you're analyzing all these other lifters, you're taking that, the technical breakdowns and applying it to your own thing and getting your, you're getting yourself to a point where you're cleaning the inch. Now, probably one of the most significant things that happened fairly recently was you pulled the inch clean and press. Um, and you were the lightest person you're, you are the lightest person to ever pull that off. Um, the, the combination of the, well, you're the lightest to clean it and you're the lightest to clean and press it. Um, which there's some people that have cleaned it. They just haven't pressed it in the same motion or whatever. Um, could you talk a little bit about that feat and pulling that off or just kind of what that meant to you? Yeah, for uh, for some reason, getting the press after the clean took a lot longer than I expected because before I was doing grip, I was doing a lot of strongman. And this was when I was way bigger, but I was push pressing. Uh, so Mike Bartos makes gym equipment and I had this, it's called a, a big top circus dumbbell. So you can load plates into it and it's globed bells. And I could load that up to, I think my best was 255 pounds and I was push pressing that. Mm -hmm. And once I lost all my weight trimmed down, I lost a a ton of strength. So I was still, once I got my slider inch dumbbell, I could press it, but I was nowhere even close to even lifting it regularly. So the clean wasn't even an idea of trying to accomplish at the time. So I guess after I did the clean, the impact my shoulder would take along with trying to get the bell over, it it was just too taxing for me. And that was when the kinesiology took over and I was trying to find ways to be more efficient. And that was when I'd like have this one arm up, have the bell up and then use momentum to get the bell in pressing position. So once I did that, I hit another plateau and it was, I was missing certain cues I wasn't paying attention to. And that's when I uh, got a message from James Fuller and I give him all the credit because I wouldn't, I'd probably still be trying to figure out how to press it if he didn't reach out to me and give me some advice. Mm -hmm. He was telling me that once, so I would turn and get my core tight and he said, I'm doing that correct. But once I do the, the jerk, I turn back and my core is no longer stable and tight. So when I have the bell there, all that pressure pushing me back down wants my arm to drop back. So I practiced that for like maybe a week. And that was when I got the clean and press right after, because I was thinking about that posture the whole time. And I made sure I wasn't going to rotate my torso. I had to stay tight the whole time, have a good foundation. And it went up like it was nothing. Like it it was, you could see the, like the strain on my face just because it's a 173 pound bell, but it felt at the time it felt weightless. So that was pretty cool. Very thankful for that. Well, I was going to say, congrats on pulling that off um, here recently. Like I said, just wanted to give credit for that. And uh, so was that, that was with your Slater inch dumbbell? No, that was with the Adomski. 
Okay. And we're going to get into that one too, as well. Cause I got to get you to tell the backstory on that. But uh, do you have any other feats that um, you would like to name off? Maybe that are some of your more notable ones that you've done with the inch dumbbell, just, it could be combo feats and anything about the inch dumbbell and uh, just cool, maybe something that stands out to you. That's a cool lift that uh, you were kind of pumped up about. Um, I would say the first time I got a legit transfer. Um, that's another reason why, you know, I'm getting stuff done is people reaching out and helping me. Um, you, you've seen it. My legs would cave in when I would do the transfer and the back globe would touch my legs. So that would help me on the transfer. And then Jed Johnson reached out and was like, Hey man, that's not a transfer. It's touching your legs. You got to make sure that bell doesn't have any body contact. Yeah. So I took it, uh, constructive criticism. I wasn't butthurt or anything about it. I, I really appreciated it. And it took a long time for me to get that down. And when I, the first time I got it, you could hear the the handle just smack my palm and it was glued in there. And I was like, Holy shit, I finally did this. So once I, once I got the transfer and I got used to that position, I started mixing it up. So I would do, I'd pick up the inch dumbbell, transfer it, have another inch dumbbell waiting by my other side and then pick that one up too and turn it into a double. So just mixing things up like that. I think uh, are some pretty good feats that I was excited for. All right. So do you have any uh, future, future goals or future feats with the inch dumbbell that you'd like to mention? Anything that you're, you got kind of cooking up? Yeah. I want to be able to snatch the inch bell right now. I'm training with my 70 kg inch that uh, we got from Nathan Hall. Mm -hmm. um, I haven't progressed any more since the last time I've been doing it. So I can get the bell like all the way up to here, but I just can't get my elbow to straighten out and complete the snatch. But I think once I get the snatch with the 70, the 78 will come very soon because then I'll have that posture down. I'll have, I'll know what it feels like, where my hips need to be, where the bell needs to be, how to drop underneath it, all that stuff. So once I get the form down, um, I'll be fine. That's a pretty good benefit of having those lighter bells. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, so snatching the inch dumbbell, anything else to add with that one or just anything that comes to mind like long-term? Um, well, today, uh, I was practicing on transferring the inch and then trying to clean it. Um, I had some close calls. I mean, I got the, the bell up to here, but it's not there yet, but that would be a pretty good feat to accomplish. Yeah, I, th I think you'd be the first person to pull that off. Um, I've never heard of anybody or never even seen anybody really attempting that. So um, just want to wish you, you know, best luck for training in the future for that. And uh, like I said, hopefully that goes well. And, and judging from some of the videos, I don't I don't think that'll take very long. Um, now, um, kind of have a funny story. Like I said, I want to get into with uh, one of your dumbbells. So your first dumbbell was a Slater inch, mm -hmm. right? And um, you found this lucky deal on eBay. I can let you go into it if you want, but you had this like uh, 
I say lucky, just right time, right place where you saw this uh, eBay listing because like there's people like me, I have like Thomas inch dumbbell or certain keywords like in my feed so that I get notifications if anything gets listed under that. And it was like, you got to that and had purchased it probably like within hours before it would have even notified my phone. So you were like ahead of the game by far. The listing was only up for like 30 minutes. Like it was just perfect timing. (laughs) So the guy that was selling it, I guess he didn't care what he had or didn't know what he had. Um, He traded a treadmill for it and that's how he got it. So he had the listing. It was an auction and there were of course no bids or anything yet. It was only on there for like 30 minutes. So instead of placing a bid, I just sent him a message and was like, Hey, I'll give you 400 bucks for it right now. And he was like, you got a deal. And I was like, hell yeah. So I just got a inch dumbbell for $400. Yeah. And the listing for the inch was strongman dumbbell. That's, mm-hmm. that's what it was called. So I'm always trying to like, I'll search on eBay globe dumbbell or heavy dumbbell, something like that. And you might find stuff. That's how I found a little off topic. That's how I found some of my blobs, but yeah searching things with a different name. But for this bell, the story behind it is very different. Something I'll always remember. Um, I called the uh, shipping company to tell them, hey, I'm going to pick it up at the local warehouse that you deliver it to. Um, That way I don't have to pay, like, I can't remember. There was like a $200 difference to have it delivered hundred yards from my house. So I was like, I'll just drive down there and pick it up. Mm-hmm. So the shipping information said that it was delivered and it sent the address. And I was like, huh, you know, that I'm not familiar with that location. And I, you know, I've lived in this area my whole life. So I'm pretty familiar with everything. And I drive down to the warehouses delivered to, and the warehouse is literally getting demolished right then and there like they're they're tearing it down i'm like there is no way my bell is here so i start driving in circles around the place trying to think hmm i know what the you know the packaging looks like maybe it's here it was a bunch of two by fours drilled or screwed in together Mm -hmm. to make a box and i couldn't find it i was like dang this thing's lost or something and then i slow down and then go inside the building as they're tearing it apart and I find it and the box is demolished. There's an inch dumbbell laying in the middle of the floor, all of these construction workers around it. It's a miracle. It wasn't stolen. And I just hitched it onto my hip, grab the box, make sure, you know, there wasn't any leftover evidence. I didn't want, I guess the carrier thinking it was stolen or something and pick it up, run off with it. And I guess, you know, picture this guy, hobbling with a big ass dumbbell on his hip and a busted up box running to his truck to throw it in the back and then drive off. So how far did you have to run with that thing? Probably 50 yards. It was a good run. I, I was sweating and out of breath, yeah, but no. the adrenaline was kicking in. Cause one, I was excited because I finally got this bell and two, I am inside of a building currently getting demolished and you said it was kind of shady because when you you said when you originally got there right wasn't there somebody telling you like that they were like closed and you couldn't get your dumbbell 
Like yeah, they were telling yeah. yeah, they were they were telling you you couldn't get it, and there was a construction crew tearing things down. Mm-hmm. So they're like, no, like you're gonna have to come back another day. And then you're literally like looking at it like I can see my dumbbell and I don't trust this situation, right? Yep. And then you pretty much decided just to make a break for it. And because <laughs> didn't you have to like kind of like sneak in a little bit to get it? Or yeah, I had to climb up the, a five foot concrete uh wall where the docks are. <laughs> so I had to climb up that to get to it and then run a few yards. Yeah, it, it was a pain. Yeah, but well, that, that story always makes me laugh because you were just telling me how uh how it was shady or like it got dropped off. You're like, I wasn't even sure if it was going to get delivered. There's this busted box, there's all these people around it, like I'm afraid they're gonna steal it, and it's like yeah. What do you do? I almost, I almost went full Karen on this whole situation because yeah. the driver sees a demolished or a building being demolished and he thinks, yeah, I'm just going to deliver it here and, and go. I yeah. mean, if, if he was doing his job, which I'm glad he didn't do his job because I probably wouldn't have had the bell. They probably would have returned it. But uh, yeah, he just dropped it off there and drove off. And with the box so, all busted too, so you know it's not like you used a lift gate or anything. Probably, probably just threw it out of the back and just smashed it, and then just yeah, drove uh, away. Yeah, and so. <laughs> I don't know. It's it's a miracle it didn't get stolen, but at the same time, I bet probably one of those construction workers tried picking it up and like, fuck this, I I ain't messing with that. So. <laughs> yeah, right. I got like, lucky. Yeah, because that that is the thing. It's there and it's like ready for the taking, but at the same time, who else is going to try to pick it up and you know, take off sprinting with it like you did. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, no, that, that's, that's always been one of the funniest stories to me um, that I've ever heard. But like with any of these uh, items we get, you know, you get these dumbbells or, you know, blobs, different things. When you get these rare things, there's uh, usually a story behind it. I bought it from so-and-so. I had to trade it. I found it here. I was bidding on it. You know, there, there's almost a story that goes behind it. And when I think of that story, I almost can't think of a better story of anybody like acquiring their well, it'd be your second inch dumbbell. It wasn't your first one, but like just acquiring a piece of equipment that was that special, but in that hilarious of a fashion where you basically had to like break in and like steal your own bell yeah, before the building was demolished or before someone else was just going to walk off with it and you were never going to see it. So um, yeah, I, I absolutely had to uh, make mention of that one because like I said, it's one of the best stories I've ever heard of anybody getting an inch dumbbell. Hmm. Um, now, since you have a variety and you've got hands on different dumbbells, do you have, just in your opinion, do you have a uh, a favorite make, I guess, maker model, we could call it, like the Slater, the Adamski, the uh, Hall Bell? Do you have one that you feel um, is your favorite, or do you think they all kind of have their own slight, uh, like, nuances or something, and maybe they all have their own little purpose, or you kind of like them all? So my favorite, just because of the story, is the Adamski. Plus, you know, they don't make those anymore. It's mm-hmm. pretty unique. Um, and that's the one I got my first clean and my first clean impress with. So that one's special. But I think quality-wise, my favorite bell is Nathan Hall's uh, 78kg inch that I have. It's, okay. it's got a real short handle on it. Um it's, you know, the Slater's a little longer and so is the Adamski, but the hall is like four inches on the dot and the bells, like the globes are real gritty. So those, I, I like a good textured bell. So cleaning that, plus it's heavier. 
Um, that's a good training tool. That's probably my favorite for quality of a bell. Okay. Um, I guess uh, one question I've been asking everybody just to, uh, just to get their opinion. And like I said, the answer can go any direction. Um, what is it to you that makes the inch dumbbell so special? Just as a, a, a challenge, a training piece, wh- whatever it may be. What, what is it about the inch dumbbell that makes it special to you? Two things, the story behind it. Um, and the fact that it's so deceiving, a bunch of people could look at that dumbbell not pay attention to the thickness of the handle or the fact that the globes will cause a roll. Mm -hmm. Um, They'll look at that dumbbell and be like, it's 174 pounds. I see those in my local gym all the time, but they're not putting into consideration that the local gym dumbbells aren't globed. They have a regular 29 millimeter handle and it's knurled. And they're like, well, I can pick that up one hand and no problem. And then they go, to the inch dumbbell and they can't even budget. So yeah. that's probably my favorite thing about the inch dumbbell. It's very deceiving and extremely humbling. Okay. Now, um, like I said, really that, I mean, that kind of covers a decent portion of everything. I, I've kind of been skimming over some of you know similar questions, you know, with everybody, you know, when, when'd you get your first inch dumbbell? You know, what are some good feats you've done with it? You know, I've, I've kind of given everybody a similar rundown, but everybody always takes it in uh different directions. Mm-hmm. Um, one other thing that I, that was kind of a common question for me asking people was, you know, if you had any advice for people and it could be the most basic beginner advice, but anybody that was considering getting an inch dumbbell, um, making their own possibly, uh, do you have any advice for maybe, a newer or advanced lifter that maybe doesn't have one, but is maybe interested in getting one or getting into training with one? Uh, to be honest, I think if if you get into competing in grip sport, you're probably going to go to a location that has an inch dumbbell. Like Jed's gym, he's got tons of inch bells. If you come to one of my mini comps, I got a ton of inch bells. Usually if there's someone that's hosting a comp, most likely – they have an inch dumbbell. So introduce yourself into uh, the sport and you'll probably surround yourself with the stuff that you probably, you know, don't see very often, or maybe it's just out of your budget and you can't afford to buy one for yourself, but you'll, you know, other people that have them. So uh, I think getting into grip sport, getting your grip stronger, competing. um, And who knows, maybe that one time you show up to someone's gym that has one, you lift it. And your goal's been reached and it might push you to save up and buy your own. Kind of like what I did mm-hmm. by being able to lift yours that you brought to the super series. I was like, well, I need to clean this thing. I need to train on it. So I guess I need to buy my own. That's what I did. Yeah. Now, what would it take for you to sell your inch bells? I'll never sell them. <laughs> never going to sell them. <laughs> Yeah, the that's ones like, I have now are staying. The only thing that would happen is I'd add more to it. Yeah, that, that that's kind of been a similar comment from others too. Uh, so I had to ask just because I kind of knew the answer on that one. It's the same with me. Um, so with most of that being covered, uh, do you have kind of any closing statements on the inch dumbbell or anything else relating to it, I guess? Like I said, I know we covered a decent amount, but uh, anything else extra to add? I want to ask you what your future goals are on inch bells. Oh man, I have a, uh, 
I have a 209 pound inch from Nathan Hall, which is mm-hmm. 95 kilograms. Uh, it's right at like 209. Um, I would like to level lift that. So that would be one that I'm, I'm shooting after. I'm not far from it, but it's one of those things where it's like, you're, it's a ways off, but it's really not a ways off. It just takes mm-hmm. some time, you know, um, because I've lifted my Selene bell, which is stamped as a 200, but it's a little light. So it comes in at like 195 um, or a little over 195. But uh, that uh, that lift has been one of my best to date, lifting that Selene uh, 200. And uh, that 209 is just that next bump up. It's just a different animal. And uh, I've I've skipped it a little bit, gotten a couple inches of air, you know, but the full lift would be ideal. So that's something I plan on training for. Um, I've had you and some other people even mention um, possibly pursuing an inch clean. Now that's something that is not like a front runner for me. That's not something that like I'm going to be training on next week, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but it is something that's kind of tucked away deep in the back of my mind that like, Hey, you know, you never know someday. Um, so maybe an inch clean, but like I said, that's, that's not like really a priority. Um, one that really would probably surprise people is just a double inch lift. I have yet to have two 78 kg or two 172 pound bells in the same spot for me to try. Like if I try to do a double inch lift with mine, um, the closest bell I have to the 172 is a 180. Mm-hmm. So I, I start kind of getting out of that, you know, traditional inch dumbbell weight. It starts becoming a little heavier, which would yeah. be fine. I would love to pull that off. It's just when you're doing something that's kind of a little more maximal. And in my case, it's a lot of positioning and it really kind of messes with my back. Um, oh, yeah. Past back injuries and stuff and pulling from that deficit. Um, it, it really almost becomes more about my body than my grip with a double inch lift and that positioning. So I got to get better at pulling from those deficits with two, two bells, but a double inch lift is one that's on my radar. Like I've pulled my 172 and my 154, you know, multiple times for double bell lifts and and done that. And I think, I already think I I have the strength to do a double inch lift. It's just the stars haven't aligned for me to pull it off yet to -hmm. say that I can truly claim it. Um, So that, yeah, that 209 double inch lift, um, and one that I think's definitely going to happen long before a clean is a transfer. Um, the hardest part for me is just getting the, uh, the initial boost with my left hand mm-hmm. because my right hand is pretty solid on those lifts. And I think that if I can catch my left hand on a day when it's fully awake and, it, and it's able to kind of, you know, give a good feed to the right hand, I think a transfer, at least going left to right hand would happen for me. Um, but I haven't done that yet either. So I would like to lift the biggest bells possible, which the biggest one I own is a 209 pound inch dumbbell, the double inch lift, whenever that situation presents itself. And I can do that. And then I would like to transfer my inch dumbbell, um, most likely going left to right. And then I could worry about multiple tosses or something down the road. I got to land the actual thing first. Um, but that would probably just if I could rattle off maybe two or three right there, that's that's kind of what I would say. 
And those, those, those are pretty obtainable. You know, those, those two or three will happen. And then after those two or three happen, maybe down the road, I could entertain an inch clean, but that's, that's one that's like a, it would be a more of a lifetime goal as opposed to like a near, you know, like a nearsighted training goal. Um, but yeah, now does that answer pretty good? Yeah. Um, you haven't mentioned this and I don't, I kind of want you to, cause I think it's cool. Can you tell everybody the uh, story with your 209 and what you're naming it and why? Oh, okay. Um, yeah, I can do that. If anybody even knows, some people are probably gonna be confused and not even get what I'm talking about. So um, there's an old country song called Phantom 309. I think Red Savine sings it or narrates it, whatever. It's like a narration song. Um it's about a trucker and whatever else. So it doesn't necessarily have to do with inch dumbbells or anything like that. But since my dumbbell weighs 209, I basically have nicknamed it Phantom 209. So instead of Phantom 309, like the song, talking to you, I kind of was like, I'm going to name this thing Phantom 209. Um, and the and color I'm, of it, right? What's that? The color of it's Phantom Gray. Well, yeah, right. it's yeah. So it, it, it's painted like in a grayish kind of bronze thing, and I, I do plan on like painting some stuff on it, like a some kind of artwork, some kind of artwork on one of the globes to kind of match it, and then paint like a two hundred nine on it. But I gotta get the. I want it to look good, and I want it to look, uh, you know, kind of like professional. I don't want it just to be like something I throw together in ten minutes, and it like yeah looks like garbage. But yeah, so that that would be. Uh, yeah, a nickname. I don't know. Do you have any uh, nicknames for any bells that you have? I don't. I, I used yeah. to have, you know, when my Adamski was red at the time, mm-hmm. I think it was like the cherry bomb bell or something like that. Cause okay. I used cherry bomb red to paint my bell. But <laughs> yeah. I thought, you know what? I'm not too big of a fan of that. So that's when I stripped it. And yeah. I think, it, than... I think it looks better now anyway. Yeah. Because it really has that like worn kind of like patina look to it. You know, where it's just like, it, look, it just looks like an old school bell. You can tell it's yeah. got some history to it. And uh, definitely, definitely a cool dumbbell. Um, but yeah, man, no, that, that that's pretty much it for like, for my collection. Like as far as that, like naming that big bell. Um, and we'll see how long it takes me to get that thing to a full lockout. It, it might, it's, it, it, you know how grip goes some days. I mean, it might be like, you feel like you're on the cusp of doing it and it takes you another six months you might think it's a lifetime goal and you do it the next month. Like weird shit happens like that sometimes. So um, I'm not really sure when it'll happen. I just got to start, you know, getting hands on it and uh, training with it a little bit more, but yeah, man. Um, So overall, like I said, uh, good discussion on inch dumbbells. Like I said, I think hopefully everybody will enjoy this episode and kind of pull stuff from it because there's been so many different, um, experts with different lanes on the inch dumbbell um different specialties different styles different training methods um so it's really been awesome for me to get a chance to talk with all you guys and uh just learn from everybody and just i guess create this kind of content for everybody and hopefully they'll uh hopefully they'll enjoy this episode when it airs so any uh closing statements no that's pretty good yeah all right. Well, I, you know, thank you for coming on the show once again, and I'm sure it won't be the last time we see you and uh, just wish you the best in your training and everything else. And 
like I said, we'll probably be lifting together at some point here soon. So we can uh, team up and lift some inch bells together. So it sounds good. All right. Thanks man. for having me on Zach. Oh yeah. No problem. Anytime. All I'll right, see you. See you.